welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the daddy o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode number 172. And thanks again to last week's guest, Matt Porter. But before we introduce this week's special guest, I think it is just worth mentioning that we did have quite a lot of questions about the sale of land to build flats and the stands last week. Um, Matt did say that um, as he wasn't CEO or involved at levels that would make him knowledgeable about these deals, as they were done a few years before uh, they were built and therefore before his time, that he wouldn't be able to provide the appropriate answers so we don't know what the deals were or how they were structured but obviously you know you can't turn back uh, the clock and, and change what's been done so we thought Matt had been quite fair and open uh, with us about that and just finally on the topic of guests uh, our guests that we have on uh, they give up their Sunday evenings to come uh, often from far and wide and we are a fan run podcast they're not obliged uh, to be here they do so of their own free will uh, we're happy to ask difficult questions that are well worded um, but we will never berate chastise or make our guests feel uncomfortable just to appeal to a tiny minority who want this to happen and we wouldn't uh, and wouldn't ask these questions face to face so anyway moving on to our guest this week we're delighted to welcome back for his fifth appearance we should probably get a signed football for you mate uh, on to back onto the one out of the podcast <laughs> uh, Ross Ross Embleton welcome back mate. thank you always right. good to be here thank you very much for giving up your Sunday evening no to be problem. with us it's a pleasure Mr Embleton you were last on the podcast uh, episode 160 uh, on the 18th of November following the 3-1 home win over Bromley and that game took us to stop spot uh, in a national league at that point we played 20 games we were top so fast forward now almost three months later uh, 33 games played, 13 games left, third in the league, a game in hand. So could we gain top spot if we win that potentially? So what are your thoughts at this point in the season so far? It's obviously a massive game, wasn't it? That's a landmark, I think, Amazing. that will uh, probably go down, well, for a number of reasons, goes down in history, doesn't it, with a club and, and what that Bromley day was all about. And then obviously the performance and the result as well and the manner in which it, it came about... Um, so one that yeah, good time to look back on. Um, it's obviously been a very, very, very positive season, and I think there's obviously going to be a number of questions coming in tonight that are probably not quite of that nature. But I think it's really important that we do understand what a positive season it's been. What a um, probably a turnaround that to the level that not all of us would have expected. Uh, we went in with high hopes. We had real aspirations of of going on to achieve something that we wanted to and, and that we've you know that we've started this season or and, and got us to this stage. Um but I'm not sure any of us really felt that we were gonna spend the you know, get off to the start that we did and and get ourselves to the level and get ourselves in front in the manner that, that we have done. So it's disappointing that we've we've dropped off the top in the last 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 few games. Um it's something that we need to bounce back from. But we need to make sure, I think, at the same time, that we hang on to that good feeling that everybody stays in it together. You know, it's it's, an, it's a situation I've never been in before. I know it's certainly like that for a number of the other staff in, in the camp. And certainly for, for a number of the players that are in the group as well, never found themselves at, with this sort of pressure. So um, I think it's something that we've all got to embrace. We've, um, we've got to you know, really work hard to try and try and turn this little, you know, not so great period um, you know, upside down again and, and get back to, to that similar form that we saw earlier in the season but I think collectively across the whole club it's about us all staying together and trying to maintain and hold on to that positivity and, and look to try and you know kick back on again and finish the season strong it, it seems like there's not that long to go but it's still actually 
almost a third of the season, isn't it? That's still to go. So we're we're looking in the home straight and everything sort of um, heading towards that 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 final stage of the season. But there's still a hell of a lot of points to play for, and it it, it just shows you how quickly things can turn around. And and, and hopefully we can in, a, in the next couple of weeks we'll be looking looking back down at people again. So you mentioned the dressing room and you mentioned pressure. What's the feeling like? Are they feeling pressured or is it, are they happy? Are they positive? Or can and you how do you manage expectation? that? A, it, there's always been a positivity throughout the group this year and, and I would say this year and, and include the back end of last season, certainly. Um, because you know, we keep saying and we've heard it a lot this season about the, the, the quality of the group and the, you know, the, the camaraderie and the attitude that goes throughout throughout that and the good characters we've got in there. So there's always that sort of positive feeling about it. But I think you know, we, we've come up against um, similar um, similar games this season in terms of what we, what we face when we're at home. And then obviously what that brings is a little bit of anxiety, like it would do in anything, not just, not just in football. But it, there's certainly that feeling and that, that, that knowing that they're the, they're, the, they're the big team, they're the, they're the focus anyway when, when teams come to to our stadium because it's such a fantastic place to play football and then added to it that we've got off to the start and the run and the season that we've had obviously it heightens that even more and, and it and it brings a brings an added pressure across the board so of course they're feeling it like I say it's you know it's um, an inexperienced group at, at times in terms of some of the players that you look in there and the amount of appearances that, uh, that a lot of them have made um, and then to say that now we're at the top of the league and we've got to deal with that expectation. So that's something that we've got to, we've got to all all work together to to try to achieve. And I think that's the same for, when I say all of us. I mean the staff, the players, the the backroom people at the club, the supporters. We all need to make sure that we try to really hang on to it, even though we all feel that anxiety and we get get a little bit edgy when things don't go particularly right straight away. I think we all need to make sure that we stick together and really try to drive everything on between now and the end of the season. I think in any season you need luck. Don't you? Yeah, it's on a number of different fronts. Injuries being being one of them, and we seem to have suffered a reoccurrence of a, of a pattern. Maybe yeah, strange, some yeah. of the same players getting injured for weeks, not just oh miss a game, but like missing weeks at a time. Yeah. we've not been that lucky again. Is there anything that you could maybe pinpoint as to why? No, I mean, I think the first thing to answer that is that that's something that we have reflected on massively. Have we got something? wrong have we done something that's not particularly helped the players was this too hard was this not hard enough there's been a real analysis go across from 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 a coaching and training perspective into you know physiotherapy and and sports <coughs> science to make sure that what we're doing day to day week to week what we did over pre-season did that get the players fully prepared and I think it did because when we started the season you know we after you know slow start of the first two or three games you saw real intensity to the way the way that we played. I think some of it's luck. I think some of it is people picking up that extra little bit of fatigue. When you look at the way and when we started to lose some of those players that, that you mentioned, it's mm. during those sort of difficult times or mm. difficult periods where there's an extended period of games and therefore people are playing with more fatigue. Um, and it puts them at that little bit more risk. But then when you're on a good run and you're playing well... Players play more regularly, but then at the same time you're picking up that, you know, they're they're playing under a little bit more fatigue. So it it's something that we've continued to analyse. I don't think until the end of the season you'll be able to exactly put your finger on it. Like you said, some of it is is a little bit of misfortune, but then at the same time with a vigorous games program that we have 
in this league. I think you're always going to pick up those injuries, and, and unfortunately for us at times, it's been for, to players that you don't want to miss. Want to miss, yeah, yeah, so the experienced ones that can perhaps calm the nerves of some of the inexperienced ones as well. Yeah, exactly, and and I suppose you know the, the inexperienced players. When do they become experienced? Well, they do that by throwing them into the deep end and 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 giving them the exposure to to the pressures and to the you know to the responsibilities of playing in a in a team like like Leighton Orient in the, in this league it's a huge responsibility and players are not going to get that until they until they step in and, and feel it and do it and, and get a taste of it themselves so you want them to be exposed to that but then at the same time you want the ones who have been through it who don't quite feel the pressure as much who are you know ready to cope with it you want them out on the pitch at the same time I suppose it's about getting that balance in that right that's been a long season so far it's been some absolutely wonderful games wonderful goals any favourites of yours so far? Favourite game? Favourite game probably won't overly excite everybody, but Barnet, I loved the Barnet game at home um, because I thought we started well against a good team, big, you know, big club in the league. Uh, another team that came to sit and make it difficult for us and we started the game well to go a goal up. They scored a really, yeah. really good goal to level it. And it was a game for me that I watch a lot of our, particularly our home games, when I watch us back... I say to people, the second half weren't too dissimilar to the first half. Everyone looks at me like I'm mad. But we're playing against a team that are fresh and ready to defend and make it hard for us. And we have to try to break that down. So success doesn't always come immediately in the first half. And then when you finish strong in the second half and grab a couple of goals, everyone thinks the second half was that, that much better. Yeah. When really they're quite similar, but the game management in the early, early stages means that you become more successful in the, in, the, in, the, in the latter periods. And that game for me was um, a very good result, but I felt like the two halves were very, very similar. The performance was very clean and tidy. We got ourselves goals in front in the second half and then managed the game really, really well against, like I say, a, a club that, that we you know, felt that were going to be very competitive and have been when you look yeah. at their FA Cup run and the things that they've done like that. So I enjoyed that one. Um, Thinking about the goal, I think it was Haven't. Was it the game when Macca scored? I think I've mentioned it on here before, where we had about 11 or 12 passes. Craig Clay broke down one side of the pitch, put the ball through yeah. the legs of of one of the defenders, and then Macca ran on. I think it might have been a double nutmeg in that move yeah. somewhere along the line. So I think that was my favourite team goal. There's been some wonderful goals individually. Mm. Dates his goal away against... Chesterfield for the moment for the performance in terms of the way he defended was I a really good that. one that's what Porter said last week yeah. um, but then at the same time James Alabi's equaliser at Halifax was a massive moment um, big moment for all the staff and the players all together um, Wrexham at the same time that was a fantastic away performance so a completely different one um, to the home performance against Barnet and, uh, and the goals that went in there the moment that the group and the squad and the staff all shared together on that one was brilliant and then obviously you got many of the Coroma moments as well that, that we've come <laughs> up with as well as Jovi's free kick against him but I think my favourite collective goal if I had to pick one would be that yeah. one against Heaven good choice fantastic yeah. thank you good very choice. much we've got a number of questions it won't surprise you to know <laughs> later on uh, all about yesterday's game of course uh, so we'll do that uh, later on but as we move on now yeah. uh, we'll move on to the supporters club and we've got three trips to tell you about this week first up the Supporters Club are running coaches to Brackley for the FA Trophy game on Saturday the 23rd of February. The departure time for this one is...
time is 11 a.m. as a 3 p.m. kickoff ensues, and this one is a flat fare of just 20 quid. Then on Saturday, the 2nd of March, he's just travelled down to Haven and Waterlooville with a 3 o'clock kickoff. Departure time for that one is 10 o'clock, and adults will cost 23 quid, and concessions are just 20. And finally, on Tuesday, the 5th of March, we're going to be making the long journey up to Barrow. The departure time for this one is 11:30 a.m. for a 7:45 kickoff, with adult fares costing you 36 pound. Uh, with £33 fares for concessions. All of the above trips will cost you an additional £3 if you're not a member and under 15s can travel uh, for half price but you must be with an adult and remember folks you need to buy your match tickets in advance. Um, to book any of the trips you can do so in the supporters club on a match day uh, or you can call the travel line on 07722 135970 and also the Star Man Awards is now sold out. Well, that is a full capacity, possibly oversubscribed event. <laughs> well, so that is going to be packed. I'm out. going to straighten my tie out this year for that photo that I have with you too. Yeah, good. absolutely. I look good. To yeah, I always look at that sharp. photo that goes up and it's an extremely wonky tie. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite late in the evening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me a bit of credit. <laughs> So thank you to the Supporters Club for the update. So late night trust update, a small one this week as the trust took Charlie Lee to Manford Primary School in Chigwell for a Q&A session where the children asked questions around what it's like to be a footballer as well as questions about what he eats to tie in with their healthy lifestyle lessons. So thank you to the trust sending that over so let's waste no more further time let's crack on with the week that was at the O's yep so Monday the 11th Coulson Monday I beg your pardon the 11th of February sorry Josh didn't mean to leave you out of that one quiet day at the club as episode 171 was taking the listening airwaves uh, and the forum actually by storm but we won't mention that thread anymore <laughs> so let's move on to Tuesday so to Huey Tuesday the 12th of February and in the morning all the shop town announced George Elikobi signed a deal with until the end of the season and he's eligible to play in the evening's crucial game versus second place, Solly Hallmiles. And we wish George good luck and we'll bring you the details of that game a bit later on in the pod. Yeah, about half past three, the club announced that youth team product and right back Miles Judd has signed a two and a half year contract which commits him to the club until 2021. Miles said, I'm very happy to have signed the contract. The club means a lot to me and it's been a big part of my life for many years now. So I'm really excited and hope I can push on with the club so congratulations to Miles and I'm, I'm a fan of Miles um, actually and I feel that he's got room to get better improve and do well yeah for me good news Miles has been fantastic since he broke through to the first team squad two years ago and he deserves his contract <coughs> and it's also great to see a young talent commit themselves uh, to the football club and obviously that must be good for morale when other players are seeing players get new contracts and yeah and I think it's important that we make sure that we recognise that with, with players that across the squad you know not just boys that that have been here for, for that extended period of time but certainly it's, it's, it's nice to to see the club put faith in those young players that have been here for that extended period of time and have the opportunity to to kick on and, and progress and that's something that, that Miles has got to do he's got to make sure that he keeps working hard he's by no means anywhere you know the finished product as, yeah. as a lot of boys of his age are not and certainly boys at this club then we need to make sure that we keep that work ethic right and make sure that he he continues to have the drive to get better and, and, and to kick on and, and as he says to, to kick on with the club but at the same time for him to you know to yeah. continue to, to strive to be better at what he does, what he does yeah and, and I, I, was, I was going to say about it being not being a sentimental signing it's just the fact that he's a rough diamond that can be polished up and, and 100% and, and yeah on. there's a lot 100%, to work and, and we have to yeah and we have to continue to polish him and so does he you know like we can we can we can 
ask him to do as much as he likes, but Marvels has got to make sure that he gets, as, as all the players should do, they've got, they've got to really make sure they've got a bit between them teeth now to, to stay in the game and, and keep improving. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget that he's only, I think, 19. He's yeah. really young, but it's only because he's been around for two years. I guess we probably give him more credit. Yeah. Like yeah. an old head on his shoulders. And he's played quite a lot of first team games, particularly under the previous yeah. tenureship. Of and the I think sometimes that can get like, a bit lost as to what that. Would that experience would have done for him would have been absolutely incredible for him to have experienced playing in the circumstances or a lot of his games in the yes. circumstances that he did. But then at the same time, that can be a bit damaging on your career because yeah. you're involved in a negative <coughs> feeling. You're involved yeah. in a some you know, more often than not, yeah. I'm, I assume a losing team that's struggling, that's fighting for its life, and albeit you're getting that exposure and that opportunity. Sometimes that can actually hold you back and be a negative thing that you've got to try and yeah. find your way out of. So he, he deserves a lot of credit was, for the amount of appearances he's already made. For me, it was kind of a, a no-lose situation for him because of that yeah. environment that you go out there, you try your best. If it isn't good enough, don't worry because we all know, we all knew what was going on yeah. behind the scenes. So it's a really unusual circumstance that no player will probably ever come across again with our football No, that's club. right. And then so, at the same time, when you when you make your debut, obviously you, you get all the, you know, the highs that come with that. And then... Like you say, there you're in the team, and it's make sure you give it give it all the effort, which Miles does all the time, and, and that's probably what endears him so much to, to to the supporters is that you know he's wholehearted in the way that yeah. he that he performs. Um, but like you say, if he if you're in that team as a you know as a as a, as a shining like to keep people happy and to you know to keep that morale up in terms of people seeing young yeah. players come through the scene, sometimes you're not always helped in terms of. A young player needs that consistency, that development to make sure that it's not he's not just left in the team and, and to get on with it. You know, yeah. you know, you don't want to neglect him on that front. And I don't know whether he was or whether it wasn't because because I wasn't here at the time. But you know, he, he's played a lot of football now, and he, he just needs to keep focused and to make sure that we you know we help him to move forward. Mm. Yeah, good points. Lots cool. of tweets coming in. Yeah, about Miles Joe the Boying at nineteen seventy seven. Ross Kenley. Would you believe? Oh, I do remember. Ross. Old yes. West End chum, fantastic achievement, and deservedly so. So, seems Miles came to the club as a nine-year-old, and I assume progressed through the academy. But if Orient are to close the academies, we believe will happen. People like Judd will be the last, and surely that's a worry. So we asked uh, Matt about the academy last week. Still believe that's under review. I guess news will come out of that. What's your view on an academy structure? I mean, there's lots of different names for all these sorts of di- like, like yeah. Matt said, centre of excellence was what it was before. Yeah. Lifeblood of some clubs, not so much. I think it's um, it, it's where I've come from it's here more than anything. It's mm. where I started as a kid playing at the Leonore Centre of Excellence, and then obviously I was fortunate enough to coach age groups and, and then to manage the program. So it's something across the board. Youth development and academies is massive uh, and so important to me. Um, but at the same time, where we are now and what happens next with the academy, obviously remains to be seen. Um, and, and when that decision's made, obviously I think it will it will release a lot of pressure on everybody because it's you know it's something that means a lot to the club and it's got a huge history. Um, but at the same time, it's got to be productive, and it's got to be something that financially works for the club. Any club, you know, you look at Huddersfield, Brentford, the model didn't work for them, so they they chose to go in a different direction. That's got to be the same for us. Academies now with the structure and E Triple P Elite Elite Player performance plan um, that was brought into place a number of years ago was something to help structure clubs and make them more 
uh, more professional in the way that academies ran because there was a lot of grey areas and I can only speak to from when I worked here before there was a lot of lot of grey areas well under the centre of excellence banner as to how clubs run, what they did with the funding, how they spent it, what what the priorities were within that. The level of staffing was bare minimum. Um, and and E Triple P really helped that structure across the board from the Premier League big boys to to clubs at our level. Um, but what you find now is the real imbalance that went alongside that is the compensation laws and the way that um, players move between clubs. Years ago it was locked down to tribunals and clubs being left to devise those discussions to make sure that they got the best for the players that they were producing. And We had a number of players that we sold on at a young age during my time and then obviously once I, once I left as well. Um, now that's changed and it's quite heavily loaded in the favour of the Premier League clubs and the big clubs and the Category 1 clubs. So therefore, you run a, there's like a set white amount or figure that you have to spend to run a Category 3 academy, which is what we are. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, the compensation that you get for your players is bare minimum because you're like the bottom ladder. So therefore, the players that are moving on are not quite at the same level in terms of what you can call back and what you're what you get for those players. So it can be an elite player at a very, very top, but there's like a, uh, a bracket that they fit in now because they're leaving a Category 3 club to go to a Category 1 club. There's there's a there's a lot of control over that. So that doesn't always recoup the money that, as a club, you probably deserve for your young players that are going on to mm -hmm. those potential careers. That's another thing. And then where we are at the moment, sitting outside the league, after this year, we then get another restriction set on us. If we, you know, obviously, if we wasn't in this league, if we were to be in this league again, we'd be have another restriction that sits upon us in terms of what we're actually entitled at all to claim for our players because we've been outside the league for a set period of time. So that's another factor that the that the board and the decision makers have to take into consideration because it's like if I open a shop tomorrow selling trainers and someone can just walk in and take them all for nothing, I'm not going to open that shop because it's a complete waste of time. So. That's another thing that we have to take in consideration. So we all know, as fans, as people that are passionate about about the club and its academy and the rich history that it's had, we know that we want it to continue. I'm no listening to or the outskirts of the conversations that, that I had about our academy, that there will be a structure in place next year in terms of you know a, a way in which we can continue to mm. develop players. But it's obviously got to fit into... You know, it's got to be financially viable and it's got to be right for the, for the club and, and for the levels that, that, that we're at we, that, that we're working at and then at the same time not that someone can just come in and pick up your prized assets and yeah. walk away with them so great answer great yeah. insight thank you Ross so at down underscore underscore Sal said gives his heart and soul every game yes and Matty LOC Evans says whatever league we find ourselves in next season this is excellent news one of the biggest talents from the Orient Youth Conveyor Belt in my opinion top work from all involved in this still happening yep so moving on then at 7.10 that's the very same evening we haven't left uh, this day yet the club tweeted that they'd be announcing their new striker at 7.30 which was followed by the announcement of the long awaited signing of XO uh, Jay Simpson until the end of the season and that is subject or was subject to international clearance at the time and for me I was absolutely delighted uh, that he'd finally signed with us it's always going to be um, always trading with you and therefore it's just a precursor that he will sign but that's not always the case. Jay had 
uh, options available to him and um, he wasn't in any particular rush to to make a decision where his career was going to be. And like we said with Matt Porter last week, Jay signs for us and doesn't do well. That has a negative impact on him in the summer because a club will look at him as he now has a track record looking back over this season that he couldn't do it in the National League and yeah. therefore we're not prepared to take a gamble on you. The flip side of that is he doesn't play and then he's not played for nearly a year. Exactly. So it's kind of a double-edged sword and it's kind of it's a huge gamble for Jay. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's... Um, <clears throat> You know, you'd like to, you'd like to think a player of his quality would back himself to go and do it. At, you know, at the levels Every that level, yeah. that he would, that we'd be capable of getting a club at at the moment. You know, so I think that's something that um, for me isn't in question when you look at Jay's track record and the qualities that he's got. It was frustrating for us because we were doing Jay a favour in terms of he was training with us to keep fit and to to get himself ready to go and play for a club you know so uh, to begin with I don't even think it was something from from anyone at the club thinking you know, there's going to come a time where we're going to sign Jay we were waiting for that sort of day where oh he's not coming in this morning because he's going to go and train at so and so or he's you know the move's going through and he's going to get a move to a club a league or two above us um, obviously the longer that went on then it sort of become a little bit frustrating because you think oh, I've got a good player here yeah. who's training on the sort of not on the fr- yeah, on, on the fringes of the group because you're not integrating him in the team and and uh, you're trying to set up tactically because he's not part of your group but he was in training with us every day and you can see his quality and you think oh wouldn't it be great if we had someone of Jay Jay Simpson's quality to add to the group obviously then when we lost one or two of the players with injury some of his experience and his quality then think oh he'd be even really more exciting it, to add yeah. that. so um, it become a little bit of a frustration over the period of time that he spent with us that we couldn't. That we still didn't think that that was going to happen, and then obviously, it didn't quite happen. I'm sure for for Jay in terms of getting a getting a club or getting the club that that he you know may have had lined up or, or planned for for himself. So then it become more of a realistic opportunity for us to sign him. So obviously, obviously glad to have him. He's been without football for for a long, long time. So he's been training, but he hasn't played competitive football. Yeah. So now it's a case of us being. You know, conscious of that fact and making sure that we don't rush things too much and, and put Jay at risk in terms of injury and things like that. And obviously, he knows Joby Mack and I think Justin has said yeah. it's not just about the players, about the character and how they fit in. And we know he's a great professional, yeah. good oh, age, good character. Yeah, yeah. And from what I have had to do with him, seems like a great, great, great lad. Um, you know, loves his football. I think the other thing that he gives is, like I say, the qualities that people have seen with him in training most. Most days gives everybody a lift to say, look, now he's with us and, and properly with us, and you know we can have him in games and that sort of thing. And then at the same time, you, if you look back at some of those young players that we've got in the squad here, that played played or would have been looking up at Jay when he was here as a player before, it's a big lift for them. You know, someone yeah. like Josh Caroma probably spent a lot of time, you know, starry eyed. I don't mean it like yeah. that, but looking yeah. at someone like Jay now, it's all of a sudden like. Yeah, he's competition for me now, so it should yeah, same level, it should yeah. raise those you know those expectation levels from all the boys within that to yeah. to aspire to do that a little bit more. That's yeah. a great point. That's for a me, great point. great news. I think the rumours have been around for weeks, like you said. It's great to see the deal over the line. Hopefully, Bon and Simpson they're able to strike up a partnership, and when Corona gets back to fitness, it leaves Justin and yourself with some <laughs> serious uh, selection headaches tonight. But at the time, my only worry is that although he's been training with the club. Is he match ready? We find out. Fantastic news. So loads of tweets uh, and engagement for our social media channels, as you would expect with a signing uh, of this magnitude. Adam Reeves too 
So love the owners backing the manager. It's what we all wanted but didn't really expect. And let's hope this takes the pressure off Bon and they get to work together quickly. It's a good point, that taking the pressure off McCall. There's a lot of pressure on him at the moment to, to deliver. And I think having someone experienced like Jay, who will possibly make those runs that maybe Josh might make, I'm not saying they're the same player, but just that movement to free McCauley up to then be in space or, or, or vice versa, I think that's that's quite an important point. Magic underscore Johns said, couldn't have asked for a more proper striker. That's what's been missing since December to cover Maka and Karoma on loss of form or injury, and now it's there. We know he has great movements, and now hopefully the midfield can get the ball forward quicker than in current weeks. Uh, Lee Gibbs one said, absolutely buzzing with this news. Uh, will be playing for the club in complete contrast to last time. So this can only be a good thing. Hats off to the club for getting this done. And now to get us out of this league. Yeah, Ingleland 2010 said, buzzing, great bit of business. Thought it might happen considering he kept sitting in the dugout for the home games. <laughs> yeah, MCA Ziggy says, Bon, Karoma and Simpson, the Firmino, Mane <laughs> and Salah of lower league football. I wonder, I wonder who's the Salah. Don't know. Chris Convey underscore Convey <laughs> says, "Imagine being able to switch things up and going four three three with Karoma, Bon, and Simpson up top. Is that something do you think might might because Justin very much is rigid to the four four two. There's a lot of questions about that later on. So actually, maybe don't answer that. Okay. Now. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll answer it later on. Yeah, yeah. that is a question. There is, yeah, there's a few coming about that. Okay. Slightly different perspective from Vince Howard seventy three. So I'm apprehensive to be honest. If we get the J that played under Hendon, then I made up." Otherwise, I feel we could be disappointed. But now is the time for the wingers to get decent balls in to make it easy work for anyone up front. Yeah, El Coado said, well happy with this. And when Coroma comes back from injury, Justin is going to have a selection headache. But it's a good headache to have, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Les OK52 says, brilliant news. There's a lot of pressure on him. But hopefully that will take the pressure off McCauley. And the knock-on effect, maybe we see Bond score even more. So obviously, Bond, I guess, is the senior striker or has been on, on the pitch at most points, but now Jay will be. And Bond can obviously learn off Jay because Jay's been there, done it. Mm. So great for Bond to have Jay. Yeah, like I said, it was, it's, I think it's a lift for everybody, isn't it? And yeah. it's competition for places. Yeah. It's, it's what, what you want. want. Yeah. Good competition, like solid, proper yeah. competition as well. Uh, Les LK, uh, sorry, Orient Ballbag said, not only have we signed a top draw striker, we have a player who knows how to manage and win games of football. Hats off to the board. We as fans need, uh, now need to play our part, fill the ground and make as much noise as possible, which is an extremely good point. Uh, Janine Adelman says, what I love about Jay coming back is that he's been training with the other lads for quite a while now, so Justin can tell he's a good fit and he's accepted as part of the team rather than an outsider who could easily upset the apple cart. I think that's something you need to, people need to realise as well is that Jay wouldn't, Jay's been, we've seen Jay, I've been able to, See Jay's quality. You never worked with him before. The same with the gaffer. Um, Webby's obviously had, you know, contact with Jay before. But for the people that didn't know, we've been able to see him at close quarters training since since he's been coming in with us. But then at the same time, Jay's been able to see that as well. And if if the place was a shambles or it wasn't at the level that met up with his expectation, I'm ninety nine percent sure that. He wouldn't have signed for us. So I think it's, 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 it's both ways as well. That Jay Great looks problem. at the quality of the group, he looks at the quality of the players. Hopefully he thinks that training's been at the, the level that he wants, but that the, the gaffer is the type of manager that he wants to play for. So I think that's an, another side of it as well. Yeah, as never even give the that. gaffer that 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 you know that that praise as well for for obviously Kent Nigel and Martin have made that, that deal happen, but at the same time if if if, if the manager didn't have in place what, what we've got in place at the club, yeah. I'm not convinced you would have 
you would have seen him in an Orient shirt. That's a really good point. It's, it's a two-way street, isn't it, really? Yeah. And if he thought that we weren't being run properly or that Justin wasn't the kind of manager that he could work under and coaching staff as well, then he would have probably he'd have walked. Yeah. Um, no, great point. Dave KS777 said, uh, fantastic signing. Please can you give credit to the owners on your show? Absolutely happy to do that. Centre-back injury uh, and sign Turley. Dayton out and sign JMD. Karoma out and sign Simo. We have great we have great owners and Orient till I die. Yes, thanks for all your tweets that came in following the sign of Simpson. If we haven't mentioned one from you yet, don't worry, we have a shed load coming up later in the pod. And in the only National League fixture of the evening, Solihull beat Aldershot 3-0, meaning they climbed up to first place in the National League, having played 33 matches, one more than the O's, and knocking us off top spot for the first time since 17th of November. Solihull... I don't, think many, I don't think many saw that one coming at the start of the season. Although they did have a fantastic end to the yeah, it's very similar season. to us. Very similar to us because I don't yeah. think the managers changed at quite a similar time. I know they've got a different manager now, but it was a ma- it, the, Tim Flowers was obviously there with a previous manager as well. So uh, I think it's a really unique one with Solial. They've got some very good players, some very experienced players. They've, they've recruited well in terms of signing Blissett, who won the league last year. They got. Uh, Darren Carter who plays for them who played for yeah. Birmingham in the Premier League so I think it took a winning penalty to get Birmingham into the Premier League so players with extreme quality that because they play for Solly Moors, everyone thinks they ain't going to be no good but that's the lack of knowledge that sometimes people have got of what clubs are up against us players with that wealth of experience would be dictating a lot of money so it's obviously a club that are Again, go yeah. under the radar a little bit. I think the other thing that they have as well, that probably not a number of the other clubs in and around them at the moment, us, saw for the different type of expectation. Wrexham, um, different, you know, very similar to us in terms of the expectation and the stature of the club and what what, what you get by going to Wrexham. Solihull don't have that. It's a very non-league ground that you go to. 500, 600 yeah. home fans every week. So that expectation that they have of quite very direct and up and at your football doesn't get overly analysed by anyone because there ain't no one there do you know what I mean (laughs) so that expectation and that freedom that they probably play with is very very different to the rest of the teams that they're up against I know Fylde will probably be similar to that Um, but you know they've they've obviously done very 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 well they've got seems like very good very good team spirit like I said they've got style and and a way of playing that has brought them, brought them a lot of success and they've got good players within it so we know that they're going to be a, you know, side that I don't think will go away between now and the end of the season yeah, I think Danny when Danny was on the pod said we asked him who the most impressive side we've played this season was and he said sorry yeah. even, I mean, even I'll be been... honest they hurt my head watching them because I, I wouldn't okay. choose to watch them because of the style in which they play yeah. like I said there but um, they were very good at it do you know what I mean? They were they they had a way of going about it, very yeah. aggressive, lot of pace, lot of you know, bit crash bang wallop in the way that they they played, and I fully I mean that with a great it's most up and respect, but um, like I say, it wouldn't be my style of play that I would want to watch if I was choosing to watch a game of football. But they were very effective, and they had players that fitted in within that. Mm-hmm. So that's good management, isn't it? It's yeah. a great shot of you on the third goal. I think it's the third goal anyway. Going that's to the right. road, yeah, and yeah, giving yeah. the old fist pump. Come <laughs> on, have it. <Yeah. laughs> 
So in FA Trophy replay action, Fylde progressed to the quarterfinals in their match, but Solly, uh, sorry, Salford, who seemed to be imploding week by week, were knocked out 3-0 away to Maidstone, which was a bit of a shocker, meaning they are now able to concentrate solely on the National League, whereas us, Solihull and Fylde are still challenging to do the double. Yeah. So big game of football, that. Yeah, very busy to Hooray Tuesday. So moving on then to Wednesday, the 13th of February. And the Orient ladies were in action, and thanks to Sam Few for his match report. And he said the Oath women's team were narrowly beaten 2 1 by second place Billericay Town ladies, as Zoe Russian netted a brace either side of an equal Tracy header. The O's played very well, particularly in the second half, and it could have been very different. But for Billericay keeper Alex Barker, who denied Swala Cadoso, Queenie, and Hannah Porter with two excellent reflex saves in the first half, and in the second, she was equal to a free header from Porter from close range. Unlucky. Yeah. Unlucky to the ladies. Um, Thursday the 14th of February was Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to you. And the club announced that Jay Simpson's international clearance had come through and he was cleared to play in the upcoming home game against Maidenhead. And the club also confirmed that Jay will be wearing the number 30 shirt for this season. Yeah, Mooney Friday, 15th February. A date for your diaries as the club confirmed that the AFC fold game originally scheduled to take place on Saturday the 23rd of February has now been rearranged for Tuesday the 26th of March. This one kicks off at 7.45 due to the old the O's involvement and Fulton, to be fair, uh, involvement in the FA Trophy. The day after my birthday, a busy yeah. road birthday yeah. visit. Yeah. And a Tuesday night Rocking visit. all over the world. Well, needs to happen. Hard waiting for you, mate. <laughs> Hopefully, mate. Hopefully. So now we're looking at March. There's quite a lot of games being played in March. Yep. There's... <sighs> I don't know how to word this, but in terms of management, obviously we've got two players for every spot. So I guess every spot is up for grabs in a sense of managing. We're literally Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, like every Like the start of the season, really, wouldn't it? The last two months are going to be like the first two Two, months. And I think it's 14 games in in two months, wouldn't it? The the first two months of the season. So I think it won't be far off for that, if not more, um, for those last two months of the season. It looked it looks as though Salford were content with not not going through. Um, I don't know if we have that same freedom to go about that. Um, what I mean by that is people were unhappy with the first half performance when we played Blythe at home. Mm-hmm. So if you get knocked out, <laughs> it'll be a ne- it'll be a negative for, yeah. for for people to throw. Oh, we got beat by Blythe Blythe at home. Probably made the same amount of changes. In both games, by the way, it's Blythe and Wrexham that Salford did in that game. But credit to the quality of the players and the application and the attitude of all the boys in those games to get through mm. with all those changes. You can talk about having a good squad, you can talk about having a good group of players that play, play themselves every day, but if they, it's very hard still to make seven changes and, and, and go and get a result. One against a team that are your competitors and two against a team that are just in the league below you at any level he's obviously deserves credit but I mm. think like I say if, if we'd have got knocked out it would have been a diff- I think a bit of a different viewpoint yeah. whereas with Salford it, it, again that, probably that expectation is a diff- different one for them in terms of what they've spent and what you know what, what focus is on that club as a whole but in comparison to us you know that expectation of, mm. of, of, of trying to go out and win every game is I think don't get me wrong in turn it's, it's an expectation that everybody expect, you know, like made stone yeah. away in the FA Cup was was a similar one um, so I think it's um, it's a difficult situation to look into 
we know there's going to be a hell of a lot of football. What it does do for us is it should keep everybody focused because everyone will know that they're a click of the fingers away from, from being back involved in, in the game. And I remember the gaffer saying it after a couple of games early in the season that players want to play. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that. You know, in terms of the way that I work, I love that opportunity to get out on the grass and make sure that we can keep working to try to improve and and you know look at new ways of making us better and improving and correcting the you know righting the wrongs from from different games and that sort of thing. But like the gaffer said on those few occasions, players want to play and the opportunity to play Saturday, Tuesday, although it'll be it'll be really tough and physically it'll be a real real draw on them. You know. It, can only be exciting to be hopefully involved in obviously the title running but at the same time the opportunity yeah. to go to Wembley yeah. yeah for me I'd rather go up uh, I'm sure everybody would if we all, all prioritise our, our yeah. thing right now we would also want to go up yeah but like I said I just think it, it creates a, if, if you want to look at it in a positive slant that we've got all these games between now and the end of the season it means that we're we're fighting on yeah. a couple of fronts and it gives us an additional Exposure to have, you know, let's be greedy and and take a take a promotion and a and, yeah. a, and a day out of oh, yeah, to, take win, a know, to win them both, you know. So, like I say, I think it, if we'd have got beat, I think it would have been a difficult, it would have been a different outlook by a lot of lot of people from us as staff first and foremost that we would have been disappointed to have been knocked out of the competition, mm. um, as I think a lot of other people would have been as well if they'd have formed an opinion on getting beat at any level in the cup. Um, but then at the same time, by being successful, now we start to look and say, well, we're going to have a big games programme yeah. between now and the end. So. Well, there's lots of pivotal games to come. Obviously, three games away from Wembley yeah. in the FA Trophy. And hopefully, if we do get promoted, it's our last season in the trophy. And biggest respect to the O's, but we ain't going to win the League Cup next season if we get into League Two. No. So no, why no, not no. go for it? And yeah. We've still got, to play, still got to play top four, haven't we? Wrexham at home. We've got Fold at home. We've got Solid so away. So... Some big games coming up. Yeah, so but momentum is an incredible thing, and he's only got to look at the way that the season, you know, I say started, but the way those first two months of the season went, you would have been. We all looked then and said, brutal start to the season, fourteen games in two months. Yeah, but we, but we know what that did for once. You find that momentum, and you find that you know that yeah. right recipe to to be successful. So, you know, if 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 the season ends as it as it started, then yeah, there's not. a won't be a huge amount to worry about if it wins. No. So game. what? First thirteen games of the national league undefeated. Do it again in the last thirteen, and we win the league. Done. Done. <laughs> Simple. Easy as that. You should be a manager. <laughs> anyway, Saturday the sixteenth of February. Then happy sixty seventh birthday to Orient legend uh, Peter Kitchen. Yeah. Very happy birthday to you, Peter. Absolutely. So moving on into the main event of Maiden United at home. As always, we ran a Twitter poll before the game. And we had 328 votes in 24 hours to determine how you thought Orient would get on with probably the biggest landslide ever. And one of our Twitter polls to date is 90% of the votes said Orient would win the game, 5% saying Orient would lose, and 5% saying Orient would draw. So as always, thank you for your votes. And at 2pm, the team was announced. Yeah, Dean Brewing goal with Sam Ling, Happy, Turley and Widdersen. Uh, we were back four with Brophy, Lee, Clay and McEnough across the middle. Bond and Simpson were up front. Substitutes were Sam Sargent, Ekpeteta, Gorman, JMD and... Ha- Sorry, we keep saying JMD, we're just lazy. Um, Jordan Maguire drew. No, I do it every day. I write out training on the on the board for you know all the information as to where they go and what they do and what team they're in. This, that, the other. 
Right, right, J and D. Surname, right, J and D, so I'm in the same boat. Fine. I think Ollie Webb was calling him Adam or something in the uh, past couple of days, yeah, no, so at least he's been called J and D. Went out to do his extra work with him on his first day, and he, he, Webby had had someone he'd played with or in a school with that was called Adam Drew or Adam or Adam Maguire, I can't remember. Called him Adam all morning. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> and he didn't say anything. Never said a word, no. <laughs> I guess the two big talking points in that starting 11. Well, the biggest feedback we've had is Simpson starting, which seems to take some fans by surprise. And I guess the second one is Sam Lynn starting over Miles Judd. So we had a bit of feedback after the game. So a bit of insight into the dressing room on those decisions. Yeah, I think Juddy will tell you he didn't have his greatest game away from home um, at Hartlepool last week. Um, obviously, we set out with a plan to play in a certain you know, way for a particular game against a particular opposition. Um and I think going forward, Juddy wasn't at his best last week. Um, and Sam, the previous week, before, you know, before, before illness that kept him out, um, had had a consistent game in a way that Sam does. And I think sometimes because of the manner in which Sam Ling performs, he's not, uh, he doesn't do a huge amount that jumps out. That you, it doesn't, you know, he's not uh, one that completely turns your head with big moments in games but he's very consistent um, very organised very calm in a way that he performs and, and, and that was obviously the option that that we took as a you know as a, as a group to, to make that change um, with the J1 uh, I know the gaffer took a lot thinking about how we how we work with that and whether to put him straight in I think it was probably a really difficult situation for him in terms of making that definitive decision because so you've just signed Jay Simpson everyone's excited you don't start him. People will be like, we've got a good player as good as Jay Simpson in the group. And you're starting you're with him on the bench. Yeah. And then you, you change it and you bring him in to straight away and people say, oh, you're throwing him straight in. He's only... I, I don't know if you could have won either way. And no. people have said it to me after the game. I was quite surprised to see Jay start. And I said, well, if he hadn't started, I'm sure you'd have gone, oh, how come you didn't start with Jay Simpson? Yes, so I think that could have been one of those ones, you know, no win or no lose. Yeah. It depends what way you, you want to you view it, really. No, I agree. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, yeah. I guess. Um, when I saw the lineup and the bench, I was really impressed, actually, particularly to see uh, Marvin back. Uh, also pleased to see that Jay gets his first start. I think he'll do well against, uh, I think they were 19th placed or 20th placed uh, Maidenhead. And, uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with that. You know, for me, that, that was that's a win inside. Yeah. yeah, for me, strongest lineup I've seen in a while. Good options on the bench, obviously, like you said. Great to see Marv back. Uh, and I'd be right at the time uh, of seeing the team. Right, if we get an early goal, we could run right here. The late J starts, and great to see Marvin on the bench. So, I guess everyone uh, elated with that team lineup. James mm-hmm. O'Hagan tweeted us said, strongest lineup and bench in a while. Looking good for the three points today. Vince Howard seventy three said Brophy on the right is a waste of time. I was actually thinking to play a Larby there. That's how bad it's been. We'll come on to Brophy in the right. It's going to be. Unless we can go into it now. Not a problem. No, I just I don't know why you'd play a centre forward right wing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Brophy on the right is one of the biggest kind of feedbacks. Post-match. Yeah, yeah, and I'm so happy to answer that whenever you want. I, I'm I'm happy with that at all. I mean, if you want me to go into it now, I'm more than fine. Yeah, all right. So Brophy on the right. So we all know Brophy is a left midfielder. We all know Jovi plays on the left of midfield. Brophy hasn't set the world right on the right hand side I think it's probably fair to say yeah, yeah. Um, and now obviously with JMD uh, on the, in the squad as well so what was thinking I guess behind 
Brophy being on the right hand side? I think the first thing to answer with Jordan being on the bench is that it's a fitness thing. I feel sorry for Jordan a little bit because he's a very talented boy. He's coming to the club after quite a difficult ending to his time at Wrexham because he'd had a problem with his he had an operation on his mouth that meant that he missed quite a lot of football. Mm. So then he came into us and it was straight into the into the team or into the group. Um, and then he's obviously picked up another little niggle, which is a little bit like I touched on at the beginning about how we have to be careful with, with Jay in a similar sort of situation because he hadn't played a huge amount of football, but you know we wanted him wanted him in, in, in the team. Mm. Um, he, he missed last week with a, with, a, with a little niggle. He's come back into the group, so it was got to be careful with Jordan. Yeah. I don't want him to have another setback and then he's missing all those games that we've just talked about. Mm. Um, so that was the reason for him not necessarily for him not being in the team, but that was the reason why he was on the bench. Um, and then it becomes a very difficult one. We've we've had a lot of success with wingers playing on their wrong side, if you like. That's what that's what I would phrase it. So, Dates playing on the right as a left footer, and Joby playing on the left as a right foot. But we had a lot of success with that because Joby likes playing there. That's probably the position. I think if you go ask Joby where he would feel that he's at his best, is that position coming in off the line and he can then attack the middle of the pitch and gives him more opportunities to play dangerous passes in, coming inside rather than being probably a winger that he might have been back in the day a little bit more where he went around the outside and put, put crosses in. So then that obviously leaves a, a difficult balance act of what you do with Brof. Brof quite likes playing on that side on the right um, and uh, because he likes the thought of linking up with his fullback and being able to come inside and let the fullback get get round him. Obviously the problem we've faced, particularly at home in recent times, is especially when teams put a lot of men behind the ball, he's trying to find that opportunity for people to get an overlap or to get a player around the outside where you probably wouldn't notice Brof playing those final balls or those particular big moments that, that we would have expected of him early in the season or, or would have seen of him when he was with us when he first signed last year. Um, but that that's that sort of the that balancing act that you have to find within the team. I think the flip side of that is during the game yesterday when it wasn't going particularly to plan, Gaffer switched them over, Joby went on the right, Brof went on the left. Um, obviously then we brought we brought Jordan on onto his comfortable position, which is another wrong sided winger playing on the you know, left footer playing on the right and then Brof ended up outside on the on the left. And he had a couple of moments when, when he when he went down on the outside of the pitch. But like I say, it's a tough one it, it, as to try to get people playing in their best positions, in their most comfortable positions, in positions that they've been performing in well throughout the season. And then once you do that, how you balance it on the other side of the pitch and when the right time is to change them over or, or, or move people around. I suppose that, you know people are arguing you change the system, do you, but then do you change a system that's got us a lot of success this season? Again, right. it's that sort of balance as to as to you know, who you put where and, and when in games to cause the biggest threat to the opposition. So I hope that's given a good uh, indication of the thinking there, Pinex. And I think I think you know, uh, got, you know, no need to make the secret with Brof, but he probably need, he needs that little bit more uh, belief in himself to sort of take the shackles off a little bit. Yeah, Brof's a big analyzer of the game, and he he he's come. He came at a quick, very very quick rise. He was playing for no one that anyone would even care to know about to making a hum outrageous jump into League One. Spent a lot of time at Swindon playing out of position. Got his move here. So he's probably at that stage that you would have liked him to have had before he went to Swindon, you know, that, that, that middle step to go on to yeah. to into League One. Um 
and 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 like I say, sometimes he's he's a, he's a bit overcautious and could 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 take the shackles off a little bit more and become a little bit more aggressive to you know to be that match winner and and, and back himself and believe in himself a little bit more that that will take him onto that next level. But you know that's something that yeah. So don't need to make a secret of because it's, it's, it's things that we've spoken to him about and hopefully we see more of between now and the end of the season. Cool. Fantastic. Great insight. Indeed, yeah. Absolutely. Um, did we do Marcus Maynard's oh. tweet? Okay, cool. So Marcus Maynard's tweeted us. He said, I could see the arguments for starting Simpson in the team or on the bench. I guess just didn't see enough in training to know what we're getting. Interesting to see Ekpateta on the bench figuring out that centre-back pairing is a good problem to have. It's yeah. a very good point. Great point. And the physio that. department... And, and sports science deserve a lot of credit for getting Marv back in the, in the time that they Absolutely. had. I think we all expected him to be out a lot longer than he was, so they've done they've done extremely well to get him back on, on the bench so soon. Yeah, great point. I think there's a question coming up about the other players, about when they expected him back, yeah. I think, coming up. So the match kicked off, uh, but not before a minute's silence for the recent passing of former O Matthew Brazier and for England World Cup winner Gordon Banks as the second-placed O's were looking for a win over 19th-placed Maidenhead to put the pressure on Solihull at the top of the table. Yeah, they were indeed. So the O started well and almost took the lead in the third minute as Jay Simpson played a clever pass to Joe Widdison on the left who crossed into the back post for an unmarked Sam Ling who volleyed wide first time. Yeah, difficult take there for Sam. Decent chance though. and He'd done well to hit it well but just wide of the goal. Good yeah, move though. I think he started on the back end of the six-yard box then he coming in at the far post. A great move, really good move. Started the game really, really well and I think you're obviously going to cover a lot more of the game, but I think that's something that we did extremely well in the first half, two-thirds of the season, is that when we had our big moments, we took them. Mm. When we had our opportunities, we went 1-0 up, and those games when you won it comfortably or you felt like it was a lot more comfortable, it was because the big moment came and we, we took that opportunity, yeah, we scored yeah. that goal, we got that penalty, we defended on the line, whatever it might have been, we managed to... to, to to perform, if you like, to, to get over those big moments. And that was what gave us a foothold in the game. And I think we made a big point of starting the game strong yesterday and making sure that we come out of the traps and really try to get everyone up and excited and, and, and try to take the lead early. And, and unfortunately, we couldn't find yeah. couldn't find a break for, I think, the first half an hour we played quite well. But I didn't notice that from kickoff. It was a bit of a different kickoff routine where yeah. we just drove out. Charlie had it like Gazza, did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They got caught yeah. after 20 seconds. Yeah. They're going, bloody hell, this is a bit different. Come on. Yeah. Why don't we do that more often? Yeah. Why haven't we done that? Yeah. Why don't do why As don't opposed to just kicking it, it off. That's a good idea. I don't know how that happens. But both teams seem to just kick it Always. off every week, don't they? Always. I can I tell you now, we don't talk about doing that. So just say <laughs> right. okay. If anyone wants an insight, no responsibility. Anyone wants an insight into tactics, that isn't one of them. Right, kick it off. More great <laughs> insight there. And I, I agree with you. I think that that was a difficult chance for Sam. I didn't. I wouldn't have expected him or anyone to score that. But if it does go in, you're talking a very, very different game. And as you just alluded to, there I mentioned there about you know we took we had that moment we took it and therefore we're on the front foot for yeah. the rest of the game because and I thought would... there was three or four of them moments I'm sure you'll touch on it I thought there was three or four of them moments in the first <clears throat> 25 30 minutes where like, they weren't like outrageous missing chances but they were good opportunities for us to have created more than what we did which would have meant like like I say earlier on in the season I think we've taken those and then all of a sudden as the opposition have turned up and gone right we defend for Everyone back. Yeah. Wait for a corner. Wait for a corner or a long throw. Now all of a sudden they've got to go one 0 down. We've got to try and do something. And that's when 
that's when our real attack-minded yeah, players can, can cause damage. Because they leave those pockets that you mentioned mm. in the last time you were here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that we can exploit. Yeah, and it's finding those opportunities now. And like I said, the goal, the goal is the most obvious way to do it. Exactly. Yeah, it's not much to talk about now until the 17th minute. It's Maidenhead appealed for a penalty when Clifton went down in the area following a challenge from Jamie Turley as the ball eventually came back to Clifton who... Uh, Bicycle kicked his shot over. I think I've seen him given. I can't work out if I do think that's a penalty. Uh, but at this point, maybe it's starting to grow in confidence a bit. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't see it yesterday because the gaffer was stood up in front of me. But I watched it today, and it's more like it's one of them ones where if you're the team that hasn't got it, <clears> you wouldn't say it was a penalty. But like he sort of kicks Jamie more than Jamie doing anything else. It's one of those where you're shaping up to kick it, and defender sort of puts his foot in front of the ball. You kicked it. The quality of officials in this league, they would have seen that. Anything's possible. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's a podcast in its own yeah, right. Um, yeah. yeah, but typically, like you say, we've seen them given. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but actually, to be fair, what I did read from a couple of people was that that was probably more of a penalty. But again, I guess that's probably without the benefit of seeing it back yeah. Yeah, like like you've just said there but yeah so anyway in the 19th minute Jay Simpson made a pass into Craig Clay who had time and space with nobody really pressuring him from Maidenhead he took a shot low from distance um, that the Maidenhead goalkeeper did well uh, to save and for me I've I seen some footage of that and Jay's hold up play to bring um, to bring uh, or, to, or to keep the ball really and then to sort of put that crossfield pass into into Cray where he could take the touch, shape it up and shoot, I thought was excellent. And that's what that's what Jay Simpson gives you. He's not rushed, he isn't panicky on the ball when he's got two on him. Yeah. Because he's Jay Simpson and um, you know, the maidenhead players would be all like, you know, he's Jay Simpson like it's a bit more of a draw. I tackled him or I, I, I don't know, it might not sound a bit petty. Yeah. I think that's something that I was disappointed with yesterday was the thing that we uh times when you try to work the ball into certain areas of the pitch or you switch you know switch play from one side of the pitch to the other with a view not just to switch play from one side of the pitch to the other but to create an opening or an opportunity Space, to pass yeah. the ball into another area of pitch just, you know this in the simplest terms that, that that I would put that and we didn't do it well enough to into the into the final third or into the front players you know not necessarily has to be into the box but you know if you're switching the play on the edge of your own box that you get that opportunity to play into the front and get people like Jay on the ball you know Macca holding the ball up for other people to join them if you, if you don't play those passes into those areas of the pitch then, then you can't get other area, other yeah. players close enough to cause that you know the damage that they can do so I think that was something that I thought we did it quite well in the first 25-30 minutes and then I'm disappointed with that in the second half that we never we never got to those areas that, that, we, that yeah. we talk about yeah so following a few poor passes from the O's as the game and on a little being created Maidenhead starting to attack more in the 32nd minute a good run from Joby McEnough sees him fouled from around 30 yards out takes the free kick uh, but the free kick hits the wall and gets cleared yeah 38 minutes on the clock then good work from James Brophy who runs into the box back heels it to Sam Ling whose cross is just put wide by McCauley Bond who was on the stretch I thought that was a good move nicely set up there good vision from Brophy slightly behind the ball that's that move that you talk about in terms of trying to get the full background on the outside to put the ball in the box rather than probably stereotypically in English football it's the winger you know these days it's about our full backs trying to get higher up the pitch especially when there's so many players back from the opposition it's trying to create those spaces and that's the spaces that that winger on the wrong side if you like 
brings to be able to get someone like Sam. Yeah. We need to. That needs to be something that we need to see more of. It was yeah. a good, another one of those good opportunities that we could have probably made more of. Not saying Maka should have scored by any stretch. He was, he was on the stretch. He was slightly. I think I don't know if he ran slightly in front of it or whatever it was, but he. Just another good out. opportunity that we worked I guess if that goes in at the gates the whole Brophy can't play on the right hand side and we're sitting here talking <laughs> about an assist for Brophy aren't we it's yeah. from it's the right hand side it's been genius yeah. playing Brophy it would be yeah. <laughs> fine margins such fine margins fine it really margins. is the 40th minute those fans wait with bated breath as a long ball into the orange half causes some confusion and Dean Brill fouls Clifton from around 30 yards out and after talking to his linesman and I thought Brill was a, a goner here a few I, people did on the bench I wasn't convinced only because I think he the forward pushed it a long, long way wide. Whether he was going to get there or not is up for debate, but it meant that it, the ball was going very, yeah. very much away from goal, and I thought that might save him, which at half-time is what the ref said. Oh, is that what he said? But yeah, a number of people in the dugout thought he was, thought he was done. Yeah, because it took Hud so long, and he spent about a minute or two talking to the lino. But good. Yeah, I mean, good from the ref. Yeah. Like, that he deliberated and he'll didn't just make a the blokes that are there to help you if they could help you. Yeah. Yeah. Not many of them do that. No. It's yeah. funny, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and it's just the fact you notice the fact that the guy's doing what he should be doing yeah. and we're making a point of it just shows you how ridiculous some of the decisions right. that we've had in this league are yeah. but no good referee and we got away with that one booking yeah. for Bill I think we all have taken that when we saw saw that and I've seen footage of this as well like, I don't understand why Dean was even that far I out I don't think he did at half time I said to him what are you doing like you had a little moment there didn't you and he said yeah I'm allowed one every now and again I said yeah no like, you can't not like that no you're not <laughs> you're not because we had a defender there I think it was happy yeah and I think that's, that's, that's I a think that's sign of point, probably right? little sign of, of anxiety you know like that. that's we all turn up exactly the same for me as it does for you that we all turn up and just think come on get the first goal and then I can relax and enjoy the game a little bit more that's what we're there for we want to win we want it to be as comfortable as possible we want it to be 4-0 within the first 15 minutes so we can all sit back and enjoy the rest of the day it's the same for all of us wherever we're sitting on in the ground that's how we want it to be when it doesn't happen you get anxious I get anxious the players get anxious We, we all feel that it's the, we're all in the same situation wanting the same thing and when it doesn't come and you miss a couple of opportunities and like you say they have one or two attacks and sometimes they're not actually attacks that cause you any any problem whatsoever but it's the fact that we've spent a couple of minutes away from their goal or we haven't had as much of the possession of the ball leads to that anxiety and I'm not saying that's what done it for Dino but yeah. you you know you, we're, we're rushed we're hurried we want to get the ball back you know, win, and then start another attack and get back up the pitch and it, they're human people, aren't they? They're, they're humans that, that that also feel those those things. They also feel the, the the pressure that we that we've all we all feel when we turn up to the stadium, and and that can sometimes lead to decisions out of, you know, yeah. out of the ordinary. Yeah, absolutely. So Brill stayed on the pitch, and the forty fourth <laughs> minute, a decent chance for the O's as the ball comes to Jay Simpson, who gets a quick shot away, and Penny saves well uh, with his body, and Craig Clay running in trying to get the rebound. But his effort is blocked and the ball is cleared. Decent snapshot there from Jay. Another day, yeah. it probably beats the keeper when we get home and one them up. Yeah, like I said, like I said earlier, big moments in it. It's yeah, the yeah. big moments that, that perhaps we haven't been so clinical with this year. I mean, at both ends, uh, in the in the recent recent weeks, that you know, we haven't we haven't taken that opportunity to then someone does something a little bit brilliant or you know finishes a good opportunity, a good move that that, that releases that little bit of pressure and yeah. gives us that that little bit more belief to kick on. Exactly, in two minutes of stoppage time are played as the half-time whistle goes with teams going in goalless at the break. And we haven't mentioned every parcel move, but we've had quite a lot of possession. We've not really talked about 
Dean Brill making a save on his goal line. We're rarely talking about Dean being tested um, in um, in our match reviews. Um, so really interesting. We just couldn't. We you know we've had a few chances, but I thought whenever I look at a game where we've had a lot of possession, had a few chances and not taken them, I always think in the back of and any game of football actually, I think yeah. the team that's had all that possession is actually going to lose one 0 Yeah, and that's a natural thing I think to to, to do when you watch, when you watch football like that. It's um, it, it was a little bit similar to last week. We and I'm not saying we've peppered someone's goal and it's yeah. been twenty odd opportunities and shots at goal. But I think we haven't made the best of our opportunities to create those opportunities or those chances, if you like. Probably the better way of phrasing it. So we have a lot of the ball. We have a lot of the ball against teams that are willing to let us have a lot of the ball. Because mm. um, we're not a team that's set out like Man City to, to, to move here, there and everywhere to get it off the goalkeeper. You know, we, mm. we, we, we're not that, that way in play. We don't set out to have the ball in our half of the pitch in terms of trying to dominate position. It's to try and play in the opposition's half of the pitch, but because of the way teams set up against us, we end up having a lot more of the ball yeah. than, than they do because there's one team, a lot of the time, trying not to lose and, and one team that are setting out to try and win, do you know what I mean? And 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 they're also thinking, well, we, we get our opportunity to break up the pitch, we win a free kick, a corner or a throw on, we can put that bit of, bit of pressure on them like that. So, we obviously need to make sure that we utilise that possession a little bit more, but it's been very tough to try to break down teams and and, and, and create those mm. opportunities. And then when we get one, they're a little bit more sacred, if you like, that we need to make sure that we need, we're really clinical in the final third under that pressure to, to go, and, go and finish those chances that I've touched on a few mm. times. So I guess what, next question, what was said at half-time, is it kind of more the same or is it right, we need to be more... Urgency, you want to see yeah, it was, it, was, it was more of the same. Um, it was felt comfortable. Um, I said it earlier about the Barnet game that sometimes you come in and you feel, oh, I don't feel right, we haven't done this, we haven't done that in terms of what we've aspired to, to try to set out to do in, in those games. Um, but felt quite comfortable. And what, what I looked at with the, we looked at with the, um, with the first half was we'd had a lot of the ball, we'd created three or four good opportunities that we hadn't made the most of against a team that were very fresh and, and, uh, and you know up for up for the you know to, to yeah. get set up to go and defend so let's keep working those and they'll start to tire and our opportunities should become more if we're consistent in the way that we do it but we need to have a little bit more intensity and a little bit more intent like I just said there about playing into yeah. the front players and getting the ball into the wingers quicker and with more like I say more, more cutthroat a little bit to get it to them sharper so that we can we can hit the hit the opposition when they're out of position and that sort of thing. That that was the the biggest thing of yeah similar sort of performance, but we need a little bit more intent and, and desire to, to to play forward a little bit more aggressively in the second half, which which come on to. But I just didn't think we quite got there. Yeah, cool. Okay, so announced five thousand three hundred thirty-seven with two hundred and twenty-four away mm -hmm. fans. A so decent attendance. Decent right. following from Maidenhead. Five thousand away fans. Yeah, it's incredible. There's a lot of people making their first trips to. Uh, to Orient as well I saw yesterday as well so second half kicked off with no changes for the O's and just 8 minutes into this half Maidenhead took the lead as a cross came in the Orient defence seemed to stop and appeal for an offside but I, I, I've seen this and someone played their man onside uh, quite comfortably there um, but the flag did stay down quite correctly and Clifton tapped home at the far post and it's 1-0 to Maidenhead disappointing goal to concede I think the defence will be disappointed with that good run from Clifton 
So I haven't seen it back. Lifting the times has run very well when he's just by himself. Easy finish. No chance, Brill. No. 1 0. Something we work on a lot is, is defending our box because when teams get a chance, like I said, there, set piece from corner, free kick, whatever it might be, crosses is the way that teams attempt to try and score at this level. So we set out a lot to try to be very aggressive when we defend our box and to stay with our men and not because of the standard of the refereeing and the linesman and that sort of thing, not not rely on that. So yeah. I'm not a fan at any level of players stepping out and stepping up and trying to play So I'm more a fan of people staying with their men and, and trying to defend the box. So very disappointed that the guy that picked it up on the edge was was able to almost unopposed put yeah. the ball back in and then at the same time the marking in the box wasn't wasn't at the level that, that it should have been. So talk about his movement but like I say yeah. it, from a, from a, if I'm analysing what we do and the way that we go about it, I think that we could have done done a lot better. But you'd say that about most goals. But <laughs> yeah, but that one in particular. Yeah, James Brophy and Joby McEnough swapped sides with Brophy starting to look uh, more lively but despite some pressure not creating much um, the next 15 minutes sees the O's are still struggling as Maidenhead really start to waste time to the frustration of the crowd. I can't stand that. I know it's a lucky, perfectly lucky you weren't there yesterday. I cannot stand that. Lucky you well, weren't You know what? Like, uh, it, it's, it's prophetic but it, it, it's now <coughs> excuse me it's something that got, got me head round. You know, the, the team do it, and it's the way that they work. Um, what annoys me the most is that it's like the officials are not allowed to do anything about time wasting until the 80th minute. So, yesterday, the first goal kick that they had, the guy picked the ball up, done his socks, walked across the pit. No one else in the ground would have, have recognised it because it was three minutes into the game. So, I got up and said to the fourth official, <coughs> most teams that come here waste time now but I know you won't do anything till the 75th minute so can you tell the rep yeah 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 he's going to have a word with him no, no he's not don't lie because he's not going to have a word with him until the 75th minute yeah. and then if they're 1-0 up or, or we're doing what, then he'll do something about it he'll book someone he'll hurry people he'll do the thing where he runs over to someone that's taking their time over a throw on and waves his arms about to make it look like do that now yeah do that now, and out. then people have, have been warned. And the minute they kick the ball away or they stand there doing whatever it is they do to waste time, they're on the edge then. Because when you walk over and show him a yellow card after 23 minutes because he's wasting time, he's warned you already. Don't wait till the 80th, because it's too yeah. late by then. Yeah. It's done. They're already wasting time, and they don't care. They take a booking with 10 minutes to go. They're happy with that. The, the yeah. manager yeah. would advise him to do it. I would advise our players if that was going to get us over the line yeah take a booking for wasting time because that's the way that it works so I just think that I don't know whether I'm looking at it completely wrong or not but if someone's showing their intent just just, Deal just, put, just show your authority straight away no, no no wasting time I know what you're about I've seen the way you've set the game up if you any more wasting time I don't care when it is you, you're going to get a yeah. cut and, and I, I think it would then I don't know how but then I don't know if I'm asking too much like maybe probably. I am Probably. <laughs> Sorry to say that. Yeah. So 71st, but then Jordan Maguire-Drew comes on for uh, Charlie Lee. Joby goes into the middle and JMD goes to the right. What was the thing behind that? Charlie just a bit knackered or trying to get a bit of new energy in with JMD? I think we've, yeah, certainly, because you think Jordan's got 
the ability to go past someone or get a crossing. He's also very good on you know set pieces, so it gives us another angle in terms of Joby's delivery as you know as well as Jordan's. Um, I think with Joby going into the middle, we might we felt that he might carry the ball a little bit more and be able to create something in and around the box. Um, he gave us two sort of wingers as well as someone in the middle that, that would give us something different to to Charlie. Craig Clay and Joby are probably more likely to, to go and join in higher up the pitch than, than Charlie because they're different they're different type of players. So that was sort of the injection that, that we that we wanted from that. Cool. Cool. So uh, three minutes later, second substitute for the O's as Jamie Turley goes off and Matt Harold comes on and we go three four three. Yeah, going for it, very attacking. Yeah, and we haven't seen Justin change formation too much. So what was the thinking? Obviously, to push for the goal, I get that. But... There was a couple of things we wanted to keep. We had an idea in our mind of how long Jay might last without right. putting him at risk of injury. So at the time, we felt. Could keep Jay on the pitch by having him behind Matty and, and Macca, number 10 or whatever it is that people want to class it as. So it would, it would allow us to have to have that with three attackers at the top end of the pitch and, and Jay quite comfortable in that position, we felt. Three across the back was more more looking at it and saying, right, you know, Jamie, very good defender, but probably not his forte in terms of bringing the ball out of the pitch and starting moves and maybe hitting more... <coughs> creative passes from the end but you know that being a different side to his game whereas we felt that probably Joe would be more likely to you know carry the ball up the pitch Dan Appy we will see what his strengths are when he's in possession of the ball yeah. and then Lingy's a fullback so he's much more comfortable on the ball than probably Jamie would be and then all three of them are more likely to sort of join in an attack as well as starting an attack a little bit more so that thought that might give us a bit more oomph if you like to try to get up the pitch like that and then like say at the top end of the pitch he gave us width either side with Jordan and and Brophy as, as the two wingers, if you like, um, and then and then hope, hoped that Jay might pick up that sort of position off the front too, as well to to give us a little bit more around the box. And then four minutes later, Simpson indeed comes off for Dal Gorman. So did Jay just say? Oh, it just, it wasn't it. so much Jay. It was it was a collective of come on, we got need to as much as we want to leave him on, and he might he might come up with something for a goal. And I'm sure people sit there and say, well, why didn't you then? But. The other, risk, other side of it, if Jay comes limping off with an hamstring injury a couple of minutes after that, we'd all be going like, what, yeah, what a waste of time that was, you know. So it, it, it was a conscious decision of there's a bigger picture between now and the end of the season and it was just for just for to try and get back in the game against Maiden. And I know. we felt the players that were that were there and the players that, that come onto the pitch were going to, you know, going to have enough to try to create something. And I thought Dale done well when he came on, to be fair. Oh, yeah. I know we shouldn't get hung up on formations too much, but seeing as how it is a thing of football, is that a three-five-two that we're playing there now? Uh, I suppose once, yeah, yeah. I would say I would say more three-five-two, especially once Jay goes off. It's more of a three-five-two yeah. because you have got uh, maybe Craig a little bit deeper and Dale trying to join in. Obviously, Craig had been booked, so he needs to be a little bit more cautious. Joby would have been joining in like that. I think that would probably been the view generally three-five-two, but it was more let's get him in this position and. You know, and then what it looks like from everyone sitting anywhere else can be interpreted like that. Mm. It was more just like these players are more likely to do this. We would hope that at the top end of the pitch, these are these are the players that are going to try to create a goal by getting them into these areas. So we make the changes that that fit in with that. Good stuff. Great, thank you. Good stuff. George Sessions tweeted in the eighty second minute. It said Dal Gorman forces a corner. It's clear to Clay. He sets up Joby McEnough, but he draws over. 
I love Joby, but he's been below par today. I'd have to probably agree with George's tweet there. He's a bit frustrated towards him in the game, Joby. Maybe taking shots from outside the box was yeah, yeah. But I think that's another sign of those, you know, those anxious moments, isn't there, mm. where you get into the latter end of the game yeah. and disappointed in the fact that you've given a goal away that's made us then have to go and chase the game a little bit more. So you then start to make decisions about trying to not force things, but you do something that perhaps you would you would do differently if the scores were at level yeah. or, or if we were a goal up, you know. Um, I think he's allowed one every now and again. And absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't happen very often at all. Um, so, yeah, to be fair, George Sessions also tweeted in the 84 saying, Gorman really making an impact and popping up in dangerous positions. He controls things past but can't beat Pentney from 25 yards. Good save by the keeper there. Dow did yeah. show a bit of attacking and And, and do you know what? I feel really sorry for Dow to in, in, in terms of the way it's gone for him. You know, he came here in the summer and, and he's, he had a real... His injury hung over him a lot more than than he would have hoped, but any of us would have wanted. So then, therefore, he missed pre-season, and we all know how, how important that is to to a player. Um, and then he's had. I thought when he first came into the team, he did quite well, and then he had a couple of games where he he didn't probably make the impact that that he would have wanted to. And had a long chat with him last week. I put Hartley Paul one in. I know he had a good conversation with the gaffer this week about the things that he's got to do to to get himself back in and around it and then to, you know then once he is or gets on the pitch to make an impression he's a very good very good footballer down technically very very good very aggressive you saw that nature yesterday where he carried the ball a little bit more um, I don't think any of us have seen the player yet that we've got on a, you know on our hands with Dow and I just hope now that 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 little snippet of a performance yesterday gives him a bit between his teeth to to drive on it's not through lack of effort it's not through you know anything that he hasn't has or hasn't yeah. done? It's just it hasn't particularly gone great for him, and he's been in and out. And like I say the start to the season wasn't a great one for him, so he hasn't actually found that real run of games to find him that that momentum to show everybody what what good player he is. And then obviously the most important thing is to you know to have an impact in games and want to want to win matches for us, which he has got the ability and the qualities to do. Yeah, we done well yesterday when he came on. Yeah, very much. So. Cool. In the 88th minute, then the chance we were all waiting for finally comes as Dal Gorman uh, drove into the box, passes into Craig Clay, who sprinted into the box, passed his man, crossed it in, and for Matt Harold, uh, who was sliding in with his defender, but hit it over from four yards. That was the chance. You knew it was coming. That was one all, wasn't it? Wasn't meant to be. Best I can say there. I mean, give Harold his dues. He's sliding in with his man, but... It's You'd one of them, isn't it? I think when, you, when you're a striker in that situation, the ball goes flying across the box, you just think, I'm that close, just get something on it. Yeah. Yeah. Just get something on it and it goes in. Yeah. And he got something on it and, and <laughs> somehow it goes over or just pass it. It's harder to miss than it is to score. Yeah, and then at the same right. time, you know, when you look at the actual, you know, if you broke the technical bit down about it, it goes in and you think, like you say, just get some contact on the ball and it should be enough to take it in. and you think somehow it, somehow it doesn't. It's not necessarily a. It didn't make the right short of contact. He's got, he's got too much on it, and it's not gone in. It's, it's, yeah, um, it's frustrating. Yeah, so frustrating. Yeah, six minutes. Six minutes of stoppage time awarded, and in the ninety-first minute, Maidenhead broke away and Fondop got through. He chipped past Brill, and what seemed like an eternity, yeah, the ball yeah. was in. <laughs> about, about thirty seconds, and it landed, hit the post. 
and we cleared the ball. Yeah, 96 minutes, so the final minute of additional time, Comley somehow beats James Brophy to the ball, puts Kelly through, he shoots wide when he should have scored and the full-time whistle went shortly after the O's slipped to a shot 1-0 defeat at home to Maidenhead, but they were actually giving it a go in, in the 90-plus minutes. It just shows how you know, their fitness and their concentration levels, that they, was, they had a couple of good goes from the highlights I, I saw. I guess it became very open, didn't it? We were charging forward. Yeah, and the spaces I was just yeah. talking about that, we, you know, that yeah. we're open for, that's, that's what happens when you start to commit more players to... When you start to commit more yeah. players to the attack, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So we weren't a post match with Justin and everyone spoke today, Victor. And here's what Justin had to say <laughs> post maidenhead. Well, Justin, thanks for joining us. There was such expectation at the start of the game. It was a, such a disappointing result. I don't understand why there would have been such expectation. It's uh, we've got to stay in a moment. It's another game, um, so we approached it in any other way. Uh, our our aim was to win the game, and we've come up short today, unfortunately. I suppose the expectation was because of the signing of Jay Simpson. We yeah, waited a while. Well, we have waited a while, and um, we've secured a good player, but that doesn't change our focus or our mindset of any any game that we play in. So. Um, I understand the euphoria about Jay signing, but you know it, it didn't make it any easier game or any tougher game. It was um, it was a game that we we set out to win. I thought you know after the first half showing, I thought we would go on to win the game, but we come up short second half, unfortunately. Simon Mather, the referee, had some big decisions to make. What about the goal? Was it offside? No, no, I didn't see any big decisions. I thought I thought he refereed the game well. I think he did as much as he could to, to keep the game flowing. I think he added the, the sufficient times, eight minutes overall. Um, so I thought, thought he stood strong today. Um, we can't look at anyone else apart from ourselves. Though. We've come up short. We haven't gone in and imposed ourselves second half how we should have done. Um, and, you know, when we give the goal away, it's going to be a uphill task. You know, I thought we, we had a little bit of a go at it, but we didn't show enough quality or play the way that we're we're set up to do all week. Chances in open play were a premium, particularly in that second half. They were, you know, and um, we said to the players in there, don't, don't expect anyone to come here and and uh, roll over and have their bellies tickled or be be fearful. This is this is people's cup final, but it's, it's, that's not no excuse. We we've been together over a year now. We know this these kind of teams will come here and make it difficult, and we have to overcome it. Obviously. Nerves are increasing. Um, say people start to get a little bit anxious, change their game, and we've got to remain calm and composed and stay in the moment. And uh, that's what I've just said to the players in there. We've we've got to remain doing what we do, and I, I don't think we did that second half. But you have players coming back into contention, haven't you? James Dayton, I understand, might be available next week. Yeah, but he came into training on Monday. Obviously, Marvin was back on the bench today. Uh, Two Joshes are not too far away in Colson and Coroma. So Jordan was back on the bench today. So, no, listen, it comes at a very good time because, you know, we need the squad uh, to be at its strongest and most competitive. Um, but, yeah, that's, it's come at a good time. It is the FA Trophy, of course, next week. That means it's just the one point in February, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I haven't done my maths, but if that's what you say, yeah, that's right. 
And in the FA Trophy, you're looking to field your strongest possible team? Yeah, no, we'll put the team out to, to win the game, as, as we always do. You know, it's, uh, it's a quarter-final of a competition that, you know, we, we feel that we're in it to try and win it. So we'll be respectful. We know it's going to go a very, very tough game up against the holders. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a tough game, but, yeah, we'll we look to go and win it. We always knew the National League was going to be tight at the top. It, possibly most people didn't expect Solihull to be the t leaders at the stage. Um, I guess not, but, you know, I, I, th I think it's, it's quite an incredible tight league. I think there's a lot of teams that, you know, are, are making a good fist of it. There's, you know, there's six points between, I think, eighth or ninth and... and and third, second and third. So it's quite a unique situation. I, I don't, I can't envisage it ever being like this. Um, from my time being in it and looking from afar, and there's people here that probably would know a little bit more than me, but I, I, I can never, ever uh, envisage it being as tight as it is. Talk about players coming back. What about the players that are out there at the moment? Charlie Lee, is he having problems with that knee? Um, yeah, no, he is. He's... he's having one or two troubles so you know we have to manage it in the right way but um, it, he's he's fit enough to play we just wanted to make the change to try and take the emphasis to the opposition and try and get back in the game what about Jay Simpson's fitness because uh, it's been a while since he's had sort of competitive 90 minutes isn't it it's been a long while so we have to be mindful of that um, and, and that we don't get too excited too quickly. It's going to take a few matches for him to, to get up to uh, match speed. In terms of training, you know, he's done as much as he can, but, you know, there's nothing like playing games, and, and that takes a while. When Josh Cromer's back, have you got in your own mind how you'd use uh, Bon and Simpson and Corona? No, no, I never take my mind off of... Uh, the most important thing which is which is the, the game in hand and that leaves from tonight and goes to the next game and finally the sport is over 5,000 again yeah very good you know great numbers unfortunately we haven't been able to to put on the performance that we all want thanks Justin thank you, thank you. that was Justin yeah. Herber speaking to Dave Victor after the Maidenhead game and a massive thank you to Dave Victor as always for sending that interview across so the league table into that defeat means that the O's dropped down to third place in the National League as we have now played 33 117 drawn 10 lost 6 61 points a goal difference of plus 29 so that goal difference is still much better than any other team uh, in the National League I think Fado have got the second best goal difference on plus 24 so that is a very very positive to take uh, in a roundup now that I think we'll probably end up doing until the end of the season Solihull nicked a last minute equaliser yeah. to draw two all way to Barnet they were 2-0 down in the 90 Eighth, fourth yeah. minute, yeah, officially anyway. Yeah, so they're still top. Wrexham, uh, 1-3-2 away at Haven and Waterlooville, moved into second place. Wrexham keep having these spells where you think they're going down and they end up coming straight back up again. Yeah. So Wrexham can't because it's so tight. In they second, can lose a couple, win one, and still yeah, be still in the mix. Yeah, it's yeah, just that tight up there. Yeah, and they're playing on Tuesday night. If they win at Bournemouth, they go top of the league. Yeah. You know, would have played a game more than us if they win that one. Fold lost one at home to Chesterfield. Uh, a bit of a shot and Salford again lost 3-1 at home to Dover they were one up at half time and lost 3-1 in front of uh, and that's exactly what I said to you so we had this discussion when it was announced that David Beckham was taking over and Steve was like well it doesn't really matter it's just David Beckham but or, no, or, or did you or, and, or did I say well actually having the David Beckham effect actually adds more pressure well that's the thing I think is that like when you look at Salford, I, that that was always the thing I thought with them was that they weren't going to have, like I was touching on with Solio earlier, that they weren't going to have particular pressure of people going to their stadium yeah. and thinking, whoa, we're at Salford, like they do with us and probably Wrexham. 
like Tranmere would have gone through last year, that sort of thing. Um, but then obviously they have a different pressure because their players are paid over a lot and they've yeah. recruited in a way that they haven't the focused that the way their club is, has brought that upon them and what that has done has sucked that in and then by having Beckham there if I'm a Dover player I'm going I'll have some of this it's, easy. Like you do it, it's, it's an easy team talking it. it's an easy team to have oh, without doubt you walk out and you go oh, no. so it, it brings a different yes. focus and then that's Very true. That's, that's, that's a tough thing people go there and they have a little bit more feel like they've got a little bit more to yeah. play for and Andy Hessenthaler would have set them up in such a way that, that absolutely they would have counted a lot he, he would have just made them really tough yeah uh, to break down I, yeah. I think as well so let's have it Mr Levy go on your views on yesterday I've said I'd try to keep it brief but it's like four <laughs> paragraphs here um, second versus 19th and with the capabilities and talent in our squad this is a game we should have comfortably won and if we are to get out of this league we have to be beating teams like Maidenhead I was really annoyed when I saw the score last night because I couldn't go um, but didn't really want to come on here tonight and rant so we'll keep it kind of brief uh, there's no doubt in my mind that we're in a bit of a funk at the moment and for me uh, it's been going on for a bit too long. As Dave said, like one point in February, it's only two games. But um, arguably for us, I think if we're going to make it, as a, make ourselves, the, you know, the primary team that are going to go up, we, you know, we've got to be taking more from games like like made I think Someone mentioned it's four out of fifteen since Boxing Day, is it? New Year's Day. We haven't played fifteen games since New Year's Day. Five games, four points. Oh right, right, right. Sorry, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, No doubt in my mind that we're in a funk, and and obviously you need to get out of it sooner rather than later. We're missing so many opportunities to move clear of the chasing pack that I question if we will even make the playoffs at this rate. For me, Clay Lee Brophy really not playing at the levels we need them to be, but obviously with Charlie Lee, uh, as Justin said, there is he's got that injury. Harold needs to be more clinical uh, when chances come, which might sound a bit harsh having seen the effort. It's, it wasn't the easiest. Uh, but with March packed out and with games, due to, with games due to rearrangement, our end of season running will not be easy. The positive is we have players returning from injury who I hope will fit back in and change us. Good views. Well, a bit mixed because I wrote them when I was a bit annoyed. So when yeah, you, I, when I, you, I would like to think that the playoff shout is the one that was <coughs> a bit annoyed. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it's so tight there. No, no, the, listen, you're right. You lose you're a couple, right. and a couple, and it can shape shift so quick. Of course, and it's that's what's happened. Yeah, and, and and it hasn't been a good run of results and 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 performances. You know, in terms mm. of what we've all become to expect and and, and that sort of thing, but. You know, we've got like you said, we've got good players returning, and I think it's not just about the players returning, coming back and playing in the team and getting us the results. It's about that impact it has on the rest of the group, yeah, that out their game. And places and everything else. Should yeah. yeah, I think it's just like um, maybe Justin said, but I just think it's just anxiety. It's anxiety, and I said that to you. And I said that to you just now about what you turn up with as anxiety before the game. Yeah. We all feel as well, just because we're we've been working with the players yeah. and we're sitting in a dugout. Don't make it any different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. How, you, how you feel. And it'll be the same for the players. You all want to get that first goal as, as soon as you can. And, and, and when it doesn't come, you start to get anxious. And then, you know, it has a, it has a bit of a snowball effect because yeah. everybody, of course, yeah. everybody's anxieties add to each other. So it's, um, it's something we've got to get over. You know what I mean? I'm not just saying that it's something that happens and we're going to go with yeah. it. It's something that, as a group, we've got to find a, a way to, to improve that. And, and, and find a you know find a way to get back to winning ways and, and putting pressure on everybody else. Mm. If Sam Link scores that goal after three minutes, that anxiety goes out the window and four yeah. or if we score from that corner after twenty seconds it's yeah, that's right. Strike from strikes cut strikes from the edge of the box. And like I say a couple that didn't end up being chances but better decisions or better mm. bits of quality mean that you get more of a 
more chances at goal, it, the game changes. But yeah. it's his buts and maybes, it never happened and, and it wasn't a good enough second half performance. Yes, I think my view is, you know, I thought the starting lineup was, was bang on, I thought it was very strong. I think after the first 10 15 minutes, when we faded off a bit, I think Samling scores like earlier. I've said we're probably talking about a different game. I think once Maidenhead took the lead, I think you just sensed it. And again, maybe it's that anxiety that we spoke about. Yeah. I thought there was going to be one chart, so we were going to get. And obviously, Harold was unlucky, didn't take it. I thought Brill was lucky to stay on the pitch in the first half. Well, I've not seen it um, since then, but I think Brill didn't do much wrong. I thought defenders played well. I thought Ling gets lots, lots of criticism. I thought Ling done all right. Um, but again, the whole Brophy on the right. But you pointed it out now, so you kind of made it a bit clearer. I thought Joby had a slightly off day, but you know. It's his first one of the season, so I think we'll give him that one. I thought Craig done okay, actually. I thought Craig, Craig played well yesterday. Yeah, I think Craig really tries to make things happen, and I think he what he then what he then does is because he's aggressive in terms of his, you know, trying to drive forward and play forward and pass forward and join in and and make things happen higher up the pitch. You make more mistakes. You know, you have got more bodies around you than than than, than the norm. You put the ball at risk a little bit more because you're working in those tighter areas. You're going to give the ball away more. It's natural. It's, that's the yeah. way the game works. So when you're when you're in that situation, people can then form a bit of a different opinion to you than when actually you're trying to show a little bit of a impetus by by trying to make things happen. For and it can always come off. For Mainhead done a very good job in kind of frustrating us, breaking yeah. up the play. Very clever. I mean, their keeper went down with a head injury yeah, in front of us. Didn't have it, and he wastes five minutes. You know, you've just Killed when we started to gain a bit of impetus, he's, he's played a blind there. Clever. But probably the poorest performance of the season, not much movement, not much attack and intent, sloppy passing at points. Scoreline's probably a fair reflection. I don't think we're coming out of here saying we deserve the point. Had we taken it, we're probably saying we're lucky to get a point there. Uh, time to get back to winning ways. I said it earlier in the, in the pod. Go 13 unbeaten again, win the league, win the trophy. Let's have it. Anything else in terms of your views from yesterday that you haven't already no, mentioned? No, I just think we're there like. When you think of right, Fondop goes through at the end and puts the ball over the top of Dino, it's a post. But the game is a game of basketball by then because it's two in and throwing and we're, we're throwing everything forward to try and get back in it. But other than that, when you look really at that and, and, and the same as Hartlepool away last week, Dino don't have to make a save, you know. That, and that's the biggest yeah. disappointment for me is that we've lost a game of football where our goalkeeper hasn't had to, had to have to perform a great deal. Yeah. In order to keep us in it or to to make a game of it, so like we never peppered their goal and and create the chances that we would have all wanted to see, but we had more than enough in the game. We had more than enough, especially in the first yeah. half, to be able to build on that. We didn't build on that. That was the biggest disappointment. Was that for the first half an hour, I thought we controlled the game, although that every now and again they had to break up the pitch, and I think that's what sometimes sort of forces us all into thinking that their attacks are a little bit more than they actually are. They've just got to cut the corners and because they ain't had any for the yeah. first 20 minutes, all of a sudden you feel we're under a bit of pressure here. But mm. actually, within the scheme of the game, it's not it's not a huge amount. Um, but we haven't done enough in the moments that we've had to, to give ourselves a chance of, of getting anything from the game. And then as the game wore on, we just it got, it got, it got less and less. So those were our views. So a huge, huge amount of tweets coming to our own meltdown. They always do. Full-blown meltdown. Another huge amount. So just because we read them doesn't mean we agree with them. Ross, if you want to make a comment on any of these, please feel free um, yes. to chip in. And if we haven't mentioned yours, we do apologise. There was a huge amount. Orient were trending. Uh, number one trend on Twitter on my way home. Really? From the match yesterday, number one. Yeah. Oh, wow. What, in the UK or globally? Uh, no, in the, in the, in the UK. UK. Just oh, interesting. 
you can see the volume of tweets that were coming in. So we'll start with that Boatsy, which is not going to overreact, but we need to regain that know-how and how to win games or grind out results on a weekly basis. Our form from December has been poor, and the only kind of comfort is no one else in this league seems to want to win it when in a positive position. Good point. El Coado said, we really, 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 really need to sort out our form. There are some very difficult games still to come, and if we aren't careful, we won't finish top three let alone top. That said, I'd rather have a wobble now and then hopefully smash the last 10. Hashtag keeping the faith. Yeah, this one got a lot of traction on Twitter. At one, Adam Conway says a gas engineer scored the winner. Feed that to the dressing room. That's all. I thought you finished it well for a gas engineer. Yeah. Can't say more than that. Did well. Paul underscore LT2P said, so, so poor. So many players below par today. We can't lose these games. We gave away the ball too many times. Build up plays too slow. Too many backwards passes. And did not work their keeper enough. Gutted. Yeah. Interesting with a backwards pass shout because um, when you've got exactly. a team that are putting all their players behind the ball, the space isn't always there to, for us to play the forward pass. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to play a backwards one to try to entice people out to do it. You mm-hmm. know, to, to come out Dragging of those spaces. Yeah, try yeah, to, yeah. And, and it's not just a case of playing a backwards pass, don't get me wrong. But you know, to be in those tight areas where there's lots of bodies around, sometimes backwards one pulls somebody out Some, sometimes the backwards pass might mean you're finding one of our players into space that needs to go into another dangerous area I think it was the next pass into the dangerous areas that we lacked a little bit of a little bit of quality with a little bit more a little bit of intent like I said to you about what yeah. we spoke about half time that, that intent to go back into difficult areas that were going to make it hard for them so sometimes you have to play because because there's no no other spaces out, out on the pitch you have to try to move the opposition and that's that's why probably you see that because there's so many men in in one area of the pitch that you need to try to try to work the ball into an area to move them out of it. Yeah, good stuff. Good yep. stuff. At Barry Twin says lost to a better team on the day. Could have easily had two or three more. A few players need to take a look at themselves. Hopefully the injured players are back to full fitness soon. John Crab three said all the shots Salford and today to name a few. We don't look like scoring. Huff and puff lack quality to find any four pass is unreal. John W999 says, I would be most concerned about a top seven finish to win in the league after that performance. Midfield to a man were dreadful and we lacked guile, creativity and quality. There's no point in having Simpson if no chances are made. G-Force underscore... God, you were going to say something? No. No, okay. G-Force underscore <laughs> Shiv said, Poor today. When we lost to Salford, we had no plan B. We didn't adapt our play. I thought that was more acceptable because of their position in the league at the time. But this was really bad. No end product. The other, uh, the fact the other teams lost is no excuse. Sort it out. A Taser Junior says, Ling just passes back to the player that gave it to him. Brophy can't play on the right. We ride too much on McEnough. Uh, but Clay and Turley were brilliant. And their goal did look offside. We're third and should still be very positive. Hopefully this is our blip and we can kick on again. Quain Roman said, people will say that I'm being too negative and forgetting we've been having a great season and top of the tree for months. But I don't think O's fans can see what's happening. There is a no plan B and this team, we didn't nip in this, sorry, no plan B in this team. We didn't nip this in the bud and now look. We did play 3-5-2, so I would suggest that might be and three, a, four, three. an adjustment from plan A. There was a few questions about that, about... No plan B. So yesterday we saw, like you said, when four four two isn't necessarily working, go to three four three, three five two. So are there alternate formations that work than on the training pitch? Route? Not not overly, not overly, because four four two has been our primary, the, the formation that we play. Yeah. 
Um, so it's not that we actually overly work on another formation, but obviously, like state of the game, the way the game pans out, the situations that you find in, then obviously you, we've got ways and means of adapting. Um, the change of personnel that go into those positions could be in the same formation at times, but it gives you a bit of a different approach and a different angle. The, the direct one to talk about would be if you put Matt Harold on and take Josh Karoma off. You know, that, yeah. that, that's simply a plan B, isn't it? Because you're changing something. Um, I think we showed an intent to try to change what we were doing yesterday mm. to try to get back into the game um, in order to, you know, to try and make, make something different happen and it, and yeah. it never came off. But. Fair shout. At law match three, so possession-wise, we had a lot of the ball, but no product. Sometimes we should be more direct and give our forwards a chance. Disappointing, but we need to stick with the team. It, the direct one's a very difficult one because we don't have strikers that take Ebbsfleet, for example, or a direct team. We've got Danny Kedwell's an absolute tank playing up the top end of the pitch and can hold it up on his own and win headers, and that's his game. We haven't got that. That's not the team that we've got. People are saying Matt Harold. Matt Harold's not that type of striker. Matt Harold is a good target man that you need to get the ball into. He's not Danny Kedwell who's going like, to bless it at, at Solihull, who's going to bulldoze and flick it and mm. hold four, four, two players off and, and wait for support. That That's not the players that we've got in our team. Secondly, playing direct and having in the, at home in the games that we play, the space isn't behind the opposition. They defend on the edge of their box. Soliol defended in... Uh, Soliol, Salford defended on their six-yard box. I think mm. sometimes they're probably standing behind the goal line <laughs> so deep. So you bash the ball into areas of the pitch like that where you can run against defenders that, you know, are, are big, strong boys who are set up and ready for that. He's, he's a difficult thing to do when you when that's not your strength. When you've got Jay Simpson up front and, and, and Maka to an extent, yeah, he's, he's a threat aerially, but he's not... That's not his game. Yeah. So it's okay having a plan, but plan B can't be right. If you've tried to play a few passes and they didn't work, right yeah. now you have to Ooh, smash it. Yeah. That's yeah. not. That's not a. That's not a. In my in my rational thinking, that's not how I think the game looks. You know, it doesn't have to be drastically different. We've got to find a way of trying to create chances. People are right that we haven't created enough chances. I felt that we created enough good opportunities and got into some good areas of the pitch yesterday to make more chances. We didn't do that because we lacked yeah. quality or a quality of pass to or cross to in order to do that. But plan B, I think it's your interpretation of what plan B is mm. when you go into it. And you have to look at what your plan B is with the players that you have in your squad and in your team to make that make change. So yesterday's game. one was yeah. free at the back because of this. Leave Jay on, bring Matt on, play two strikers with one behind them because of this. Wingers, be, you change them over because it wasn't working like, because of that reason. But not just do you know what I mean? Being game. direct, yeah. for me, would be, well, what what is our intent for that? Yeah, because yeah. are we are we that, you know, is that what's ever brought us success before? I'm not not 100% convinced that's been the case. Of course, when a team push up and there's spaces behind them and you put the ball over the yeah. top, that's that's the game. You know, it's just that... that trying to get that interpretation of how you find your way back into the game with with the players that we've got. I just don't think it's such, as black and white as perhaps people think it should be, you know. Cool, good point. Orient underscore Viking said, awful, Justin Edinburgh got it wrong. You can't play two full-backs who can't overlap in a 4-4-2. 
with wide players who cut inside. Brophy on the right, question mark. Why? Lee is slow and overweight. Felt sorry for the front two who had nothing to work with. So quite a cutting. Yeah, it's quite um, a few cutting. Overview there. Um, don't have to come back no, on that if you don't want to. There's, there's, there's quite a bit there. He said, Justin's got it wrong. You can't play two full-backs who can't overlap in a 4-4-2 with wide players who cut inside. Yeah, I'm not sure when... When we've said that Lingy or or Joe are not those types of fullbacks, perhaps you'd say that Joe is probably a bit more defensive focused. But I wouldn't say that any of our. I would say that if you put Juddy in the team, that Juddy's forte is playing in the final third. I don't think that's like an Ashley Cole. Yeah, I don't think we've got those types of fullbacks in terms of perhaps what that that guy wants to see. You know, I think. We've 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 created opportunities. We've we've created goals. We've had success with all three of our fullbacks playing in those positions. With Joby and Dates and Brophy and playing on their wrong sides, and it's it's gone well. We've got to find a different way and another way of of creating more chances. But I wouldn't put a criticism on the gaffer for picking the fullbacks that that can't particularly overlap. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't necessarily agree with that one. Fair dues. Fair dues. I am underscore emo. Says I've said it since forever ago. This midfield just don't score goals and don't look like doing so either. How many goals has Brophy, Gorman, Clay and Lee got combined in their career? I'd wager less than 20. They also give the forwards no service at all and one-dimensional and slow. Ben D. Bollard said, Not a good day, but everyone needs to hold their nerve. Put it behind us and make every effort to put it right at Brackley and haven't. Today was just one of those days. Hashtag believe. Yeah, or at Fan TV. says, Awful performance. Probably the worst of the season. Too many players were poor. Missed an opportunity to go back to top of the league and going on how the results were. And Simpson and Bonner too similar for partnership to work. Let's hope not. Down to third and needs to improve ASAP. Uh, Vince Howard, 73, said, I'm starting to lose faith in Justin. Sets us up too defensive, even done it against Blythe Spartans. It's all well and good playing the ball to the striker's feet, but who's going to score when they have their backs to goal and the midfield is sitting on the, still sitting on the halfway line? Charlie underscore. Sorry, but that one, I just defensive sets up too defensive. That that's quite interesting because um, yeah, that, that that one puzzles me. Defensive sets us up too defensive. Yeah, I, can't, I, I don't see that. I don't see how because that's not. I'm I'm not sure we've gone out. I would probably say the two Wrexham away games, filed away from home. I would say that we were a counter counter attacking team that prioritised being difficult to break down like we see yeah like we see a lot of teams at home and played on the counter attack with and did it quite well and got results in all three games I don't think I've ever set ever and there's ever been a time where we've set out at home to be defensive Vince get in contact let us know it's yeah, just behind be us no. it's yeah. just right behind us no, so good. it's no, an easy no, one to get it's not a criticism I just that, yeah fine to set up yeah. set up defensively I don't that, that, that puzzles me yeah Cool Charlie underscore Paul says disappointing, really frustrated that too many had an average game today. Still confident that we are one of the best teams in the league and we'll be up there at the end. Anyone who thought we'd walk this league and win it by March is naive. I mean, that's a good I think point. that's a very good tweet because we had we underperformed yesterday, and I would go with some of those tweets before and say that's potentially our weakest performance of the season. I, I would not disagree with that in any way, shape, or form. I thought yesterday we. We lacked a little bit of quality in the second half. We didn't stick to what we had done particularly or done better in the first half and that's what that's what let us down. That's what meant we didn't create many chances. I don't think it was particularly anything that we 
you know, that anyone should have done that didn't. It was an off day, I felt, from a number yeah. of people that meant that we didn't put yeah. on. So you can always afford to carry, what, one or two, maybe three at the very most that aren't yeah. playing at 100%, as long as the others are busting a gut. Yeah, and every now and again you win one and go, tell you what, you'll have to get away with that yeah. one today. But There were games like yeah. that. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, it's only one or two a season, isn't it, I think. Yeah, yeah. not many. Daniel underscore D44 said, really poor performance. For the first time ever, I have to criticise Justin. It's pointless having Brophy on the right. I don't know how Judd is not ahead of Ling and the subs were very odd. All of our play is too slow. We go backwards far too often. We kind of addressed most of those points yeah. and that's where we're in. Cod Murray, it's a shocking today and worrying signs. There's a lot that needs to be put right. However, still a long way to go and have to play both teams above us. So still, it's in our hands to a degree. Let's all have some faith and belief instead of this non-stop abuse. So there are people who are it's still... Oh, it's without hard. that, you can see that. I think my my only issue I find at times when people get anxious and, and, and you know overly voice their opinions is, is been the, the timing of it. Yesterday I knew that people were going to be frustrated and upset. I thought the booing was probably a little bit heavy at the end. Yeah, um, I, would, I would agree. I, would I agree think there was another time when at home to Blythe where at half-time it was nil-nil and there was a few real, you were near it from where you're sitting, but, oh no, no, of course he wasn't. They open, wasn't open, yeah. Then, but there was a few real heavy criticisms that day, and I thought, that's a bit heavy for the season that we're having. Like, you might be disappointed at this game or this half. Like, some of the things that were said to the, to the gaffer and, and things like that I thought were a bit, were a bit, bit much, you know. So I think it's important that we all all try to be, you know, we voice our opinions, everyone's entitled to their opinion, I'm not saying no, anyone should not express themselves, but let's re- let's try and sort of remember, those situations I'm talking about, we're, we're, let's remember where we are and what it is, we're not, we're not in the situation that we were last year, are we? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. And had we, had we won yesterday to go third and three points behind the leaders, it's a completely different perspective, course, yeah. because we've lost, very different view. Yeah, yeah. Dave M eight one eight one two said it was a horror show. We are in a slump. Too good not to get out of it, but must do it soon. Sorry, I'm reading like I'm, I've never read before. <laughs> but must do it soon, or it will be the playoffs. I will say it again. Brophy on the right does not work. Simpson played okay, but not Matt Sharp. On to Brackley. Need a win for confidence. And Rayleigh Daves is gutted. Ling is the weak link, defending and going forward. Has no pace. Judd must come back. And Lee just doesn't cover enough ground. Clay has to do the work of two men. And why does Justin insist on why Clay is cutting inside rather than going down the line? Justin is under pressure. I think it's probably the first time reading these tweets out because obviously we read quite a lot of tweets out every week yeah. that I've seen. It's a quick turnaround, a isn't it? constant criticism of Justin here for the first time, I think, since he's first taken time this over. Season. Oh, first time he's taken over. over. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. There's a lot of, lot of people actually thinking, like, questioning Justin's decision-making, maybe, or tactics, or, or just uh, view I mean, don't get me wrong, this is only a small selection. Yeah, of course, and uh, I get that. Uh, no, I'm not so saying it's, like, it's, it's not like every, out of 5,200 people that saw that game yeah. yesterday, that this is like all 5,200 views. No, but I think to criticise any manager when they're second in the league with a game in hand, or third in the league, no, with a game in hand, at any level, anywhere, I think he's, he's, he's bordering ridiculous, yeah. if I'm honest. Uh, no, be, be unhappy, and and you will obviously voice your opinion. But to, yeah. to question a manager yeah. that's done what the manager's done in the last period of time that he's been here, I think he's 
people got to calm down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Stiggy64 said, I've not had a beer since the 1st of January, but that performance and result has annoyed me so much I've given in. When we ran at them with pace, we looked dangerous. We just didn't do it enough. Too many times we've stopped and played a sideways or backward pass. It's a confidence thing. Jamie Stripes, it's awful. Justin's persistence in playing Brophy on the right when he hasn't got a right foot is diabolical. Ling isn't a better fullback than Judd, and we have been well and truly worked out since Bournemouth. Massive effort needed to stay in contention from now on. Paul Nice One said, We have to prioritise starting games with high tempo mentality and that of knocking the stuffing out of our opponents from the off and demoralising them with goals. We have to do this every game, regardless. Two attempts on goal is a disgrace for all. So we did mention that, mentioned kind of what we were looking at. To be fair, the first part of his tweet until he said disgrace, I agreed with, but he he was right. Come out with real intent yesterday. And like I said to yeah. you, the big moments is I think where we've where we've not not perhaps done it mm. in recent times. Those pivotal moments in games, one chance, goal, and and, and, and the game looks different. And and we didn't that's not what we you know, we, we didn't get that out of that good start yesterday. Yeah. Neil Sanson says needed to reconsider tactics we're so predictable Joby drifts in and leaves us when no rip from Brophy looks lost on the right hand side this means the fullbacks always pass in field if players aren't brave enough to slide passes into channels for the forwards they'll stop making the runs we have to start getting behind teams and turning defenders around everything is in front of them at the moment and it's straightforward to defend play Joby in centre mid and play two out and out wingers a message for Neil next time you take a photo of me in the south stand come and say hello come and say oi oi you got papped? I got papped, sighing, looking like I was asleep. <laughs> the Dorset Viking tweeted us. He said, if we're going to get promoted this season, it's going to be doing it the Orient way, in inverted uh, speech marks there, which means doing it as hard as possible and causing the most amount of stress to supporters. We all know it. Now let's all get on board and see this through. It's probably my favourite tweet we've seen yeah. yesterday. A kid Samson O's is clueless and predictable in the attacking third. Zero service to the strikers and contrived to lose to a team that couldn't string three passes together. Actually, that's quite. A, I actually thought Maidenhead weren't too bad. I've seen a lot of criticism for Maidenhead. Organised. I thought they had a game plan. Yeah. I thought a game plan stuck to it and nicked the goal and done what they did. Wasted time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All in all, a successful home. Did you ever see a team at our place ever string three passes together? Would have greatest respect. Yeah. No one does. Yeah. I think you might see it when we play Fylde and Wrexham, but other than that, no one actually sets out to pass the ball to each other. No, absolutely. Went on to finish by saying, all in all, a successful homecoming for Jay Simpson, who would have felt like he never left. <laughs> Steve Cab one two one said, "I think that we missed James Dayton enormously. Our league record since he's been injured is played nine, won three, drawn two, and lost four. Prior to his injury, we had only lost once all season. It'll make a big difference to us when he returns." There was a bit of a loving on our Twitter feed this morning for James Dayton. But who the who wouldn't miss James Dayton? Who wouldn't? He's he's as good a player in the league that you're going to find in the league above, in my opinion. He's character is different class he's a nuisance in terms of the way that he is to you know unsettle other teams but his ability his desire to keep getting on the ball his energy to and his you know his ability to keep making things happen and being a threat to the opposition he's anyone would miss that um, that's not to take anything away from anyone else that's replaced him but James has won this league he's, he's had yeah. an unbelievable career to date and it, He'll continue to do that, and he'll be a massive addition when he comes back into the group. But you know, unfortunately, we haven't had him, have yeah. we? So it's um, you know, we all we all want him back. Everyone come back at the right time, hopefully. Yeah. In response to this one, LFC Chas said it's weird because Dayton never hit to top form for me, but would always give us a threat. He actually would take a shot. Uh, unlike Brophy, he would deliver a good cross and always had something special in him. Missing him badly, and didn't realise how influential he was until he isn't there. 
Dear Stu said, bad day at the office. We as fans need to get behind the team rather than against them. Yes, we need to improve, but I'm hopeful that an upturn in form is just around the corner. Good tweet. Yeah, goal nine if he wants is disappointed with performance. Not enough bike going forward. Should not have started with Simo. Would have been better off bringing him on to make an impact as the other subs have made none. Can't afford too many more slip-ups now. Yeah, Kevin Cowland said poor performance against a part-time pub team who disgracefully conned and cheated their way to three points. We have to break sides like this down and we're badly missing the pace and trickery of JK. Dayton, of course, and the big misses too. Still in our hands, but only just. We need to put this behind us. Alan Gollidge said yesterday, unfortunately reminded me of the Steve Davis era. Too many back and sideways passes. Build-up was much too slow. Justin sorted it out when he first arrived. There's needs to do it again. Simpson's movement in the first half was superb, but then he tired and was anonymous in the second. Spartacus 1957 no, said... Sorry, I don't... I have to say something. I don't see how you can even compare the two. Right, yeah. You can even compare the two. It's like... Chalk and cheese. It wasn't a great performance, but... No. I can't see how, that, how the two can be compared. Fair enough. Spartacus1957 said, Positives are we have a lot of players coming back from injury. We must have a bit more faith in the manager and the squad and get behind them. The bookies ain't stupid. They still have us as 2-1 to one favourites to win the league. That's a very good tweet. Yeah, and a final word, and let's do it from Frankie Ackhurst. Is, Why is everyone moaning about Justin? Yes, we play poor, but we are fighting for promotion. When a year and a half ago, we had 12 players in our squad and were almost liquidated. We are lucky we still have a club, and our job is to get behind all the players, whether we like them or not. So yeah, nice at the back end of the tweet is realistic because obviously we all know where, <coughs> where we come from. I think that's, that's gone now. We'll always remember it and never be forgotten. But I think the first part of the tweet is spot on. I don't see how anybody can be questioning the manager. To do what he's done in the time that he's been here, in the manner that he has, in the way that the club has been this season and the whole atmosphere across the board, he's down to what he brought to, to us when he came in. So how anyone can question him is uh, it astounds me. I don't, I don't, I can't. Mm. I, I can accept mo- everyone's, uns- you know, uncertainty, everyone's concerns, everyone's opinion on the performances. Totally respect everybody's opinion on that. Mm. But that one, I just don't. I can't. That, that's not something I can even see that can be thrown into the equation. Yeah, but the criticism of Justin, rather than that last tweet, you mean? The criticism of yeah, him, yeah. yeah. But I say that the, the, I get it. It's a great point of what he said of where we've come from, what we've done. Da, 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 like that should never be forgotten. The yeah. club has gone for incredible amount, but that bit is, we've got over we've that now. That. But yeah. the bit uh, he's right. How anybody can be questioning the manager just he's just on another level yeah. for me. Okay, so enough. Do you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that we've read out? Let us know what you think. You can tweet us at or in Outlook, or you can email us or in Outlook. Outlook.com. So that was uh, that was um, Saturday's game reviewed. Thank yeah. you for all your input. No Appreciate it. Prediction league update then. So just two correct predictions for yesterday's result. Strongo 43, who always predicted defeat, as does Orient underscore Ed, predicted 1-0 to Maidenhead. So that means the top of the league stays as follows with Barry Twin top on 28 points, Mark Shepard second on 26 points, and Pills the Doman in third on 25 points. And thanks for all of your predictions. Yes, absolutely. Um, so moving on then to today, which is Sunday the 17th of February. The Orient ladies progressed to the Capital Cup final with a penalty shootout victory over QPR women at Uxbridge FC. Suala Cardoso Queni put the O's ahead after 29 seconds before QPR levelled on the stroke of half-time. Naomi Ogundi made a vital save for the O's during the shootout, which Orient claimed 4-3. So thanks very much. Yeah. 
uh, to Sam for the ladies update. Well done to the ladies well team done. who will play Actonians in the final, I oh, believe. So okay. come on, you ladies. And we got sent a question uh, on Saturday night from at Tom P nineteen eighty four, who put a question to the pod, saying if everyone was fit, who would be your ideal back for? So we'll answer this one very briefly. So for me, I'd probably go at right back. I'd probably go one of either Judd or Turley. Centre-back would be Coulson, and then one of Happy and Marv. Probably Marv, at, I don't know, Marv might just edge it, and then obviously left-back is Woodleson. So my two staples are Coulson and Woodleson, but I'm not sure about who the other two would be. It's a very challenging question because they've all got their own merits and reasons to be in the squad, and it would be harsh to leave anyone out. But I guess that's the beauty of having a squad where you've got quality at every spot. Shows you the strength and depth, doesn't it? Uh, for me, yeah. I, I won't obviously for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would say, and this is again not agreeing or disagreeing with any of your points. Before anyone throws some sort of accusation at me, <laughs> I just think the way that Dan Appy's come into the team in the last few weeks has been absolutely different class. Amazing. For a boy of his age, who's sat around all season waiting for his opportunity in the right manner, done his job properly every day, worked continuously hard at his game does everything that you require of him and then steps in and is... Seamless, isn't it? Yeah, excellent. And that, that's just me that's, highlighting... That, that's the challenge that I've got. Of, yeah, exactly right. You leave that, Mark on the bench I'm not trying Dan. to sway you. No, 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 but you <laughs> but leave just, Mark on the bench I, I, for yeah. Dan or you leave Dan on the bench for exactly Marv. Right. Like. And, and we all know that... It's not me talking out Marv because we all know what fantastic season Marv's had, but I just think in recent times, the calmness that Dan's played with for a kid of his age... After we're talking about you know pressure and anxiety, it's been yeah. it's been very it's incredible. Yeah, great question. Thank you for and Tom. For you, uh, but you don't get out of it. You have yeah, you nearly wriggled out. Yeah. I almost wriggled out of it. What else in left back? Standard. <sighs> Colson centre back because of the experience. Yeah. Two staples. Yeah, I'm going Marv for this season. I think he earned. I think he earns the right to come back this season. I think he earns it. Okay. Uh, right back, only because I'm old school. I'd quite like to. I'd quite like to Turley have a go, only because I remember when Scott Cuthbert went to right back and he was a centre back, and everyone was like, "What is Slade doing?" And he yeah. turned out to be one of my favourite right backs ever. Right back. Yeah, he really was good yeah. to be fair. But great question. I mean, we've not even mentioned Sam Lingen now, or Sweeney, yeah. or Shadrach, or Juddy. Or oh, Juddy's in the. I, I, I did Juddy in, yeah, in the debate, really but what strength in defence though? So thank you to Tom. So those are questions for us. Ross, I'm aware it's very, very late. Most of these have already been answered. Okay. Uh, looking at them, so we had quite a few about Brophy on the right that's been answered. Justin's covered the injury updates um, through his post-match interview from yesterday. Uh, I believe, Steve, we had another question about formations that has been answered. Uh, Pat? Probably one we never answered just on that formation-wise is that would obviously be something that we that we talk about tomorrow, you know, in terms of now is a realistic view of potentially when people will be back fit. So that'd be something we we'll look at. Something mm. that, you know, what, what I wouldn't want is for anybody to ever think that we turn up tomorrow morning and think, oh, that one's done. Like, no, no, it wasn't good enough. Yeah. So the work ethic that everybody has and the, and the drive that, that the gaffer instills in everybody will be, no, we need to review why we were poor at the weekend. And, can't just put it down to this weren't right, that weren't right. You know, what else can we do to change it and evolve it and, and, and improve? So that'd be something that we certainly look at tomorrow. I can't sit here and say and tell everybody that oh, it's going to change and we're going to play 1-6, whatever, next week. Yeah, yeah. It's going to, 
you know, that it's going to have to be considered in the way that we do it. But we know that players are going to be returning soon and what, what we're going to have to do and what system are we going to do to make sure that we're at our very best. Good answer. Yeah, um, so a lot of these questions are around formation. Um, but one quick question that is kind of skirts around this is we're very good at keeping the ball in the defensive and middle thirds playing patient football. But in recent weeks, we appear to almost have lost confidence in the final third in that we either don't shoot or don't move the ball enough, or movement appears slower. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good answer. I think um, I've got to find that balance of being aggressive and wanting to shoot and having a desire to you know, try something on the edge of the box to make something happen, and then not getting desperate. Someone mentioned in a tweet earlier about, I can't forget who it was, that some, someone shot perhaps when, they, when a pass was a better option. Obviously, that's a that's a decision making aspect at a particular period of time that you hope people make the right decision. Mm. Um, I agree, we're comfortable at the back because very rarely do anyone put any pressure on our back on our defensive players when when we're in possession. So, you know, they're good players. We shouldn't concede possession like that when we get into middle of the pitch. I feel we do look comfortable. I think I mentioned earlier on though when we move the ball and we switch play and talked about backwards passes and things like that that's with an intent to go and be aggressive, not just pass backwards or sideways for the sake of it, because that's just ridiculous. It's to move the ball to try and find a more progressive pass or a more progressive move or option that's going to get someone into a dangerous position. And I think that's where we let ourselves down yesterday. We didn't persist with that. We didn't, we didn't play with enough intent and quality to, in order to execute what we thought was going to hurt the opposition. Another question on yesterday uh, came in uh, saying, I've noticed that teams always close us down at home and we never seem to do the same. There were many times yesterday when Maidenhead defence had ages to clear the ball from their box and no one wants seen them. No one wanted to put them under any pressure. Is that deliberate? And if so, could you explain the reasoning behind it? No, I think we could... I think... Yes, sorry, I said no. I don't know why I said no. <laughs> um, I think... When you get more players in the box and in the final third, you have more players around the ball to go and put pressure on them in their final third. Um, that was something that we never done well enough yesterday. All the things I just mentioned mm. meant that we didn't get enough players in and around the box. We didn't get enough players up the pitch to cause them problems. And then when we lose it, to go and put more pressure on them to try and win it back or stop them clearing it with such, you know, a, a, in such a straightforward manner. I don't think... I do see many teams pressure us. I think what you do see is that everybody defends in their half of the pitch so that when we bring the ball into that half of the pitch, they're putting pressure on us. Yeah. But my idea of putting pressure on a team would be to go and try and press their defenders and make it tough for them, like we do with, mm. with our players at the top end of the pitch, try to try to rush them up and get them to clear the ball under, under pressure. I'm not sure teams do do that. I think everyone gets back. We end up trying to start an attack and then there's players in their half of the pitch that are, that are there and ready to defence. I think it's more us trying to bring the ball to them than it is them trying to try and hurry us up. Um, what type of stats, if any, do you use if deciding uh, what, what, when you're deciding what to play uh, in, in terms of a game and setting up a game? Is, is there, is, if there is a choice? Um, what, what, what stats you... in terms of the formation? Is that what is I that would what imagine so, yeah. We, we use stats a lot. Joe Austin is obviously our analyst. Um, Fantastic, he's brilliant at what he does. Analyzes the opposition really, really well. Um, uses statistics for a lot of different things. Presents to the to the gaffer and the players and myself about stats that we think are related to our performances, good, bad, and indifferent. Um, he would use stats a lot in terms of like things like 
what creates us chances, whether it's crosses, whether it's passes, whether it's dribbles, those sorts of things, um, which would affect how we set out to to play. Um, but we would take more um, we would take more of a, a viewpoint on what the opposition do in the way that they play, what system they play, how they where they're weak, where they're vulnerable, and how we can exploit that by watching them more so than. I can't think of a particular statistic at the moment that would lend itself to picking a system. The Gaffer's preferred formation since he's been in has been 4-4-2. So nine times out of ten, he wants two strikers at the top end of the pitch that are going to help mm. us put pressure on them and get the ball up to two strikers rather than having you know one up on his own or, or one with, with two wingers, that sort of thing. has always been his preferred formation. So we try to set out to achieve what we achieve within that system. Um, like I said, whether that adapts, whether that changes over the next little while will, will remain to be seen. But statistics directly to the formation that we put on the pitch isn't something that we, it's a real go-to thing for us. But but statistics on, as a whole is something that obviously Joe in his job relies on. I get the impression that it's more that we play the game the way we want to play our game rather than changing it 24 times, to 23 times to suit every other team's Rather than having a, a formation yeah, yeah. or a structure that would suit playing against that team or that, we go out to assert our game and impose yeah. it ourselves. Yeah, and obviously then, then when it doesn't go well or right, then you have to manipulate that in order yeah. to do that. Now that might mean changing formation, i.e. yesterday yeah. or maybe for the next game or whatever it might look like. Then obviously, like I said earlier, sometimes it's players within that system but do something <coughs> different in that system that are going to change the way that you approach approach the game. Um I don't think at any stage the gaffer is like we have to play four four two. Do you know what I mean? It's that's just been the system that he imposed when we when he came here, and it's been pretty successful for him so, for yeah. all of us since he's been here. So um, yeah, it's it, it's more that really than, than than anything else. We had a question from Glenn Wilkie, who you oh, might know, yeah, or you might not know. Who is the better coach? Oh, come on. You know what's coming, yeah? No, go on. Who's he going to ask? You or your dad? Oh, my dad. <laughs> is he? <laughs> he, Glenn, he? I think he's Glenn, my dad coach, Glenn. Right, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. I could ask him who's the better chef after he was on. What was he on that programme? He was on like... Ah, oh, the... Uh, he weren't celebs the other day. He was, he was on Channel 4, was he? he? No, he was on the... Oh, the you know the one where you yeah, all go around yeah, each yeah. other's houses? Dying with me. Something, yeah, he something was. Like that. Yeah, was he? Was he? Oh, yeah. Did he win? No, no, no didn't. absolutely no. didn't win. We got um, one saying, "Do you feel just being unlucky at the moment, not getting the bounce of the ball?" No, or do you think that's down with No, us? not on yesterday. Um, I think there's been one or two performances, like I say, where we've been narrow. I think there's been one or two performances where we probably haven't performed in the same, you know, to our very, very best. But we've won early in the season because we've 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 come up with the goods at, at pivotal or important yeah. times. Um, but you can't rely on that. Yesterday we underperformed. And, and and it was a performance that, that that wasn't of the level that that we required. So no, I don't think Lux, don't think Lux within it. Do you feel that expectations that many fans appear to have in respect of things like the impact of new signings and the O's winning the national league title are realistic? Uh, and do do you feel that these expectations weigh upon the team? I think that the expectations are realistic. I think because we've had the season that we've had, so. Mm. At the start of the season, someone sitting there telling me we were going to win the league, I probably would have said, well, let's aim for the playoffs 
first. And with it being only one that goes up, that's tough. To go from finishing in the middle of the table to winning it outright is a huge jump. So at the start of the season, what I said, it was maybe unrealistic for us to, to set out to say we're going to win it. I probably would have been a bit more conservative than that. But now I don't think it's unrealistic that people have that expectation. Um, what was the back end of that question? Because it was going to slightly change my answer. Do the expectations um, weigh upon the team? I think it does weigh on the players. I think um, we had a conversation about it last season where we felt that games a little bit like yesterday where the expectation is done win 4-0. I think that does weigh on people at times because it's a big expectation to have that you're... Of course, everyone knows that we set out to go and win the game and that should be our, our expectation. Everyone should know that we should be beating Maidenhead at home. Um, but I think it does weigh on the players, certainly. I think, it's a, like I said earlier about Solio, it's a different pressure. Yeah, of course it is. 500 people that don't ain't really going to make a great deal of noise if it goes either way are is different to having 5,000, isn't it? Um, and that, that whole thing that comes with it, and like that Gaffer re- referred to it earlier in his interview with Dave about that expectation of um, the other team coming it being their cup final, that sort of thing, is a big pressure to have on, on your shoulders, you know, to keep delivering under that sort of expectation. And when you can feel that the crowd are a bit uneasy, if you like, it, and it's not rocking as, as you would hope it to, obviously the results make that happen and the performances make that happen, but then at the same time, that's that's being a human that's what happens to you. you you make different decisions because you're performing under a pressure that you know is a, is a weight to have to deal with but it's here it's not going away we are the club that we are we are the team we are we're having the season that we've had so we've got to make sure that we, we that's the big thing for us is that we need to embrace that now in that in, the, in this big big running towards the end of the season we need to embrace that pressure and, and, and enjoy it I'd much rather Although I, you know, go work every day wanting to wanting to be successful and to win the league, it's a pressure much much more enjoyable pressure being in the position mm. we are than it is looking over your shoulder yeah. like I've done before. Yeah, we had quite a few questions about a midfield enforcer. The best worded one I can see is says when we lost out on Ebu, why did we not go for a like for like midfield enforcer type replacement instead of going for Dale? So this is no way in criticism of Dell, who I think should start along with Clay, but just the logic behind losing out on one type of player and opting to fill that position with a different type of player. I think I touched on it earlier that the player that we replaced Ibu with, in my opinion, is a better footballer. Um, I suppose it's what your interpretation is of him falser. Ibu's got, if I compare it to Ibu, because the guy in question has done that, Ibu gets around the pitch, runs around, tackles... Um, does he make things happen? Does he is, is he creative? Does he get other people on the ball? In my opinion, in the position that we're in now, do we need someone who's going to run around and tackle and, and, and be an enforcer at the moment? Probably not. Do we need someone to be a little bit calmer and show a little bit more quality? Yes, we do across the pitch. We need people to, to be assured in the way that they move the ball and be a little bit more aggressive like I've talked about quite a lot tonight about the passes that they play and have a little bit more intent on what they do do I think Ibu would have been that or someone of Ibu's type no I don't um, so I'm not sure that would have been the type as a team at the top of the league would have needed in terms of trying to break teams down like Maidenhead were mm-hmm. yesterday I'm not sure that type of tackling here there and everywhere player does that for you I think yeah. it's the ones who can unlock it a little bit more and I think that's not just looking at 
Al, Charlie, Dal, Craig Clay, that's saying that everybody that find themselves in those positions to unlock defences, we need to, you know, we need to try to refine and, and, and concentrate on making that the real objective. I guess, yeah, there's a question off the back of not off the back of that, but it, it sort of joins into that, is that why is Lawless constantly overlooked when out of the forward midfield he's the only one to put a foot in? So I think Charlie does put his foot in. I think that's the that's the difficult thing. I think um it's hard to talk about all the players as, as individuals. A covered doubt. Charlie, for me, is 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 a tackler. He's someone that probably sits in midfield a little bit more. And probably there's they've got massive strengths and they're very different in the manner that they do that. Um, it's just one of those things where Charlie's ended up. You know, had a very good start to the season, yeah. a very good run of games in the team, and probably you know, deserved that opportunity to stay in the team. You would you would argue that as Al had those opportunities to 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 break in, probably not. But it's it's the, sometimes the way the season pans out, and a player finds himself in the team on a more regular basis, ends up being the one that you know gets that that opportunity of being selected that that little bit more. It's harsh. Al's Al's a fantastic trainer. He's a fantastic pro. He does you know he epitomises what. You know what, what the group have been about this year in terms of the way that he goes about his business, and, and it's harsh on him that, that he hasn't played as many games as he would have hoped hoped for. But that's the that's the the tough one, isn't it? When you when you're up the top of the league and you've had the season that we have yeah. that we have had. Final question, then, Russ. Okay, mate. Uh, this one says, I'd like to know if the management team, Steve Foster, have actively got a few non-league players on their radar to sign over the summer after the successful signing of Marvin. This would appear a potential rich source of talent and. Do you manage to get down to see many non-league games lower down the pyramid? Which I guess you don't because you're no. I, to be honest, you'd be surprised. We've covered a lot. Um, myself, Webby, the gaffer. Um, we go to games when, whenever we haven't got a Tuesday game. We and, and there's a games program on. We go to games. Uh, I haven't been to a league game this season, a football league game. So that will tell you that I'm either at our games on a Tuesday or I'm. Okay out watching one of our loan players, uh, watching a player that's been identified through numerous sources that, 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 that flag up those players in a similar way that, that, that Marv was, was flagged up and, and we were watched. So there's not a direct... I couldn't sit here now and tell you, yeah, we've got a list of players that we're going to sign that fall from non-league that, that are going to be as good as Marvin because that's, you know, Marv's been a, a fantastic find for us um, but the answer to his question is yes we're out all the time watching games um, and monitoring the players that are flagged up to us brilliant thank you Ross so hopefully there we've covered much. all the questions that came in so if you haven't asked yours it's probably been answered in some other capacity so we've covered brofu we've covered plan B we've covered formations Nations. we've covered injury returns so we feel that we've covered as much as we can so apologies if your question hasn't been read out or you feel your question wasn't put to Ross Absolutely. So let's wrap this up then because this has been a huge episode and it's really late. So The um, record is 2 hours 14. That was with Matt Porter and Errol. I don't, I don't think we're going to break that one but we're going to get an awfully close. Yeah. <laughs> Fantasy football update then. James Petrell still leads the Orient Outlook podcast Fantasy Football League on 1,611 points. He's 11 points ahead of Sam Massingham in second place. Steve's in 30th. I'm having a mare and dropped like a stone to 72nd place. Um, with a 79-point gap out of 195 players as I'm looking to catch catch you up. But on Dream Team, which is active at the moment, 
Right, it looks like you're going to pod in your pants, but we'll come on to that at a later date. The yeah. Dream Team update. Uh, I rock and back is top of the podcast Dream Team League with 1,641 points. Now Humphreys, 61 points behind in second. Paul is four points ahead of me in 24th place. I'm in 25th out of 112 players. So let's do positives and negatives of the week. We've still found three positives. We've still got three negatives. First positive is Joe Simpson returning to the club. We all hoped it would happen. It did. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Second positives, Ek Pateta was on the bench yesterday and hopefully more of those injured players will start to return onto the bench. And the last positive, most results yesterday went our way. So still in our own hands, like I said, last 13 games winning. We go up. Yeah, absolutely. Negatives though, uh, we found a few that we lost at home to Maidenhead, so we dropped points, uh, probably at a game that we would have mostly expected to have won. We aren't top anymore uh, and probably a slight cause for concern is our recent form. Yeah, so nicely balance there so here of the week we decided not to put it to Twitter uh, this week so instead we're going to give it to a team at the club who I think got it about three four weeks ago but again again due to the sensational revealment of uh, Jay Simpson and that little video they done so well done to Mr Burn Courtney and all the other guys and gals on the media teams. Well done yeah, to well the media done. team. Yeah, excellent. Very, very good, that. And that got a lot of coverage, that mainstream press yeah, as well. Well, so well deserved. Up. Yeah, well deserved. So next week's fixture is just the one fixture coming up for us uh, as we're back on the road uh, to Wembley, really, as we travel to Brackley Town in the quarterfinal of the FA Trophy. They're fourth in the National League North after a 2-0 win at home to Curzon yesterday. So if you're going... Uh, however you're getting there, have a safe journey and why not tweet us before, during or after the match? So when that draw was first made, I looked at it and laughed and I thought, oh, we'll walk there. But now the more I look at it and find out that they won the trophy last year, mm. therefore that's going to be a tough, tough match, that one. Yeah, the group has been together for a while as well. Oh, um, done a homework already. Nice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Joe's, Joe's, I won't take credit for that, Joe Austin's different class when it comes to that sort of thing. So, Preparation already started, really, and back in the right. yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a challenge. I think it was one of those ones where, obviously, you want a home draw, um, but at the same time, if you're not gonna get a home draw, don't really fancy going up north again. Yeah. So, let's get somewhere where we can where it's gonna be on the day, and it, you know, it's not gonna be too much of a draw on us in terms of the travel and that sort of thing so from that perspective we've got you know we've got what what we wanted as such um, but we know it's going to be a big challenge it's going to be a tough one like you say they won it last year to win the league uh, to win that competition as a team that are outside the yeah. top division in that yeah like it is with any cup competition is a fantastic achievement mm-hmm. so um yeah it's going to be difficult but we went to Wrexham and got a result so yeah. why would we think any differently and it'll be the same objective to go out and try to win the game there'll be plenty of those fans there they love a new ground this comes out well, I wouldn't mind going there or yeah. someone said to me oh, yeah, it would have been great to have gone to Blythe I said, yeah of course more <laughs> 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 ridiculous statement that is. <laughs> so also this week keep an eye on Tuesday's result as we said before Wrexham can go top in the National League and it gives me a great pleasure to say happy 50th <laughs> birthday to Orient Outlook head of IT down the Houghton <laughs> For Wednesday, he's gonna say Paul now. Not yet. That's no. late. That's November. No, November, but one not decade. No, one one decade lower. Not fifty. DH, not happy yet, birthday, anyway. mate. Happy birthday. Absolutely. So that is it. Thank you for joining us for episode one seven two. Another week at the O's has flown by as the club tied down Miles Judd to another two and a half year contract in a smart move. Um, that's that caused euphoria. 
that then call, and then caused euphoria with the announcement that Jay Simpson had signed a contract with the club until the end of the season. Yeah, and on the pitch, Yo's face made and headed home. Hit a match where we all thought Yo's would cruise to three points, but football is never straightforward as it seems, and their visitors ran out, won the winners as the O's dropped to third in the National League. But albeit still in a great position with 13 games of the season left to play. And next week is a break from National League action as the Wembley quest continues as we travel to Brackley Town in the quarterfinals of the FA Trophy in what's sure to be a very tough match. We'll be back with episode 173 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. Yeah, and if you listen on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review. If you listen on SoundCloud, tune in and Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts as soon as we upload them. We're now on Spotify to make listening even easier and help somebody out who might need help uh, listening to the podcast yeah Ross massive thank you thank you mate just to get your views or message out here what's your message to the O's fans for the last 13 games of the season I think the big thing is for all of us and this is why hopefully that message has come across from what I've said tonight is that it is about all of us it's not about you know, I want to be cliche, but it is about the whole club. That like everything has been made about this club being what it is about. You know, on the pitch, it's been fantastic, feel good, and performances on so many occasions this season. But it's about the whole thing, the feel around the club, about what it's been for supporters in the last eighteen months, or a little bit more than that, to get the club to back to what it is. That family feel about it. You know, I know that my family adore coming to the club and. And, and what this season has been has, has been an even bigger extension of that this year. So let's all stay in it together. You know, let's make sure that, like I said, we all turn up to the game with those anxieties. We all walk out the ground with exactly the same frustrations because we ain't got the points that we wanted. And then the elation that when we do get them, we walk out with that, that level of excitement as supporters, as staff, as players. We all feel exactly the same. So let's muck in. Let's stay together. Let's not, let's not let the... the Bumps in the road knock us off track too much, and 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 you know give ourselves the best opportunity to go and enjoy something that could be you know memories that, that none of us will ever forget. Amazing, top man! Thank you for giving up two and a half hours of your own no Sunday evening just to plug the mugs again. They're still here. If you buy them, we'll stop talking about them. Just a fiver. Give us a DM or a message, <laughs> and we'll stop talking about them. That Sorry. is it. So thank you very much indeed for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Get it?